Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. It's interesting because uh, the mail this morning is ask, asking, Scorcher, where was the Scorcher? It was a damn squib for the bank holiday weekend. I think, to be quite honest with you, a lot of what the newspapers were talking about last week regarding, uh, you know, a Scorcher of a bank holiday weekend was nothing more than wishful thinking. And now they're talking about uh, battered by strong winds and rain as the remnants of another tropical storm move in on Thursday evening. Well, that's that's a few days away, so we won't worry about that for now. But summer on hold as the rain moves in is a story uh, from the mirror. But you know the way it is with regards to Irish weather. You just take it when you get it and uh, make the most of it and then move on and put everything away and take it back out again, I suppose. And talking about deck chairs or barbecues or sun loungers, whatever the case may be. Um, the bank holiday weekend, though, did show um, some awful statistics on our roads. Uh, the Red Tops this morning talk about seven road deaths as motorists are told, please slow down. An appalling weekend on Irish roads, uh, seven dead. Um, and they break it down county by county, actually. Uh, what, what really is aw- awfully worrying as well, and it's tragic to hear of seven uh, lives being lost on our roads over the bank holiday but the amount of people who have been done for uh, drink driving and it's not just alcohol now when you talk of driving under the influence anymore it also involves drugs or a combination of both so 110 people arrested for driving under the influence over the weekend in fact they say in the papers today that drink driving rates are on the rise uh, since the pandemic eased do you know what I mean and things kind of got back to relative normality so that's a that's a very worrying figure uh, 110 80% of them uh, are are actually are men to be honest with you and it's it's alcohol yeah it sure is but it's also a combination of uh, alcohol or drugs or both and in the papers today they say the 2700 drivers have been caught uh, by up to the end of April of this year, according to Garda figures. Now, that's alarmingly high, uh, particularly the amount uh, across the weekend of 110. So detections are increased by a quarter this year already. Now, I don't know whether it's that there's just literally more Gardaí, um on our roads. I mean, they certainly are with regards to speeding. It can either be an individual guard with a gun, as in a speed gun, or it can be the Gatso vans, but there's more and more out there never before. story I'll come back to in a few minutes' time is that tragic death of a Cork mother, Gillian Daly, who will be laid to rest today uh, following the awful tragedy on uh, th- Friday night. Um, tributes making all of the papers and a lot of it online to the late Gillian Daly, remembered fondly as a teacher, a mother and her wife. She's originally from Mill Street by, by all accounts and she died when she uh, was uh, driving her car and unfortunately drove off the a key at Kennedy Key. Um, unfortunately, uh, she lost her life. Her, her two children uh, survived, Evan and Luke. More on, on that in a few minutes' time. Um, but uh, in, in other news this morning, then, you talk about families and, and people struggling. The examiner this morning is saying that they're trying, our politicians are trying to come up with some sort of a plan to ease the pain of, of families and those that are struggling. This is some kind of a, a major package to address soaring inflation. Now, inflation as a word might bore the pants off you, but it affects everything with regards to the cost of living. So cost of living now is, is, the, big, uh, is the biggest worry that people have. It's, it's really, you know, it's taken over from everything else. God knows there's enough of other things to be getting on with. But they are looking at um, trying to get monthly childcare costs down. They are trying and suggesting they might even reduce um, the fees for third level education and the cost of health care and public transport. So a tall order in all of that. But building costs ain't coming down anytime soon. And the building costs then mean 
that the prices, which are pretty much at boom levels now, um, will not be dropping uh, anytime soon. There's some interesting examples of, of houses. I mean, two in five people expect to be worse off by the end of the year, according to a survey in the mail today. But a typical example could be um, any house that, say, goes on the market. And they give an example of one that went on the market above in, uh, in Dublin 8. I'm sure we could find the equivalent down here. It was listed for 450000 but it ended up selling for 588,000. And I was mentioning on the air last week, if you watch building, uh, the buildings of, uh, the building of an estate where they release it phase by phase by phase, you could have maybe two phases a year, maybe going on sale, maybe three, but you'll see an increase phase on phase in the same calendar year of 30 or 40 grand for the same house. So all of that and lots more besides with 104, one and four on hospital waiting list. But if you wanted to know who's earning the most in the doll and you thought it was the Taoiseach, it's not. It's the Count Corla. He's now higher paid than the Taoiseach. Um, apparently the mutton figures released now show that the Count Corla's wage is uh, 227,000 euro, 10,000 higher than the top job and only second in wages to the president of, of Ireland by all accounts. And when you talk about politicians and TDs, the Irish Times says this morning that politicians blitzed the under pressure passport service with nearly 12,500 queries on behalf of constituents since the start of the year. And this is amid a surge of applications for, you know, post-COVID travel, if suppose if you want to put it like that, and those restrictions eased. But, I mean, I don't particularly have a problem with TDs um, intervening on behalf of constituents with the passport office, particularly if they can successfully get them a passport, because God knows you're entitled to go uh, on your holidays or for a break. And I'll come, bo- I'll come back to all of that a little later on this morning. Uh, but there are a lot of health-related stories making the papers today, including, apparently, if you're running a marathon or you're doing a triathlon or, or stuff like that, and you're a man, apparently, there's research out this morning in The Independent that says running marathons can age men by as much as a decade. (laughs) So you would really want to enjoy running and marathon running to take 10 years off your life, wouldn't you? And they're also drilling into the different calories that were, you know, way off the mark with regards to how many calories you think is in a different, like, uh, how many calories would you think is in a large well, let, they say a large fry-up. We'd call it a, the full Irish. I'm not talking about the jumbo one, just talking about average enough. Apparently, the majority of people who were asked that question said around about, I don't know, around about 1,000. Uh, there's actually 1,400 calories. So if you have a full Irish every day, technically, you've only got about 600 calories to play with for the rest of the day. But the papers also this morning uh, talk about a story that um, that Lana mentioned, which is ketchup. This has nothing to do now with the war in Ukraine or fuel prices. And this is climate change. We ain't growing because of climate change, apparently, as many tomatoes as we used to. So unless they come up with some sort of a synthetic tomato, you're going to be rationing the ketchup at home. I mean, you could always change to YR sauce or chef or other ones like that. Johnny Depp doesn't have any problems like that. He's still in the UK. Uh, and I don't know whether he was celebrating or, or does this regularly, but he booked out an entire restaurant, uh, a curry house, and he paid 50 grand to close the restaurant in Newcastle. Um, and so when he rolled up to... I'm sorry, he was in Newcastle. They went to Birmingham. They rolled up into... Uh, Manchester apparently Uh, he's on tour with the Jeff Beck group so for a bit of privacy he booked out the entire restaurant at 50 grand I mean normally if it was open to the public it would seat 350 people now another one that Lana also mentioned and we're all guilty of it me included we're going to have to relook at this dogs sleeping on beds or at the end of the bed 
I mean, when you think about it, it's only when they tell you, um, you know, because we know of all of the stuff that people shed with regards to skin and sweat and what have you into their own mattress, never mind what pets are doing. So they're saying you want to be getting the vacuum cleaner out quite regularly when it comes to that. God knows what your dogs are picking up as they go about their daily business. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. And of course, our thoughts are with uh, Gillian Daly's family this morning because she, of course, died when the car she was driving in became submerged in the water off Kennedy Key on Friday night. I'm reading from this morning's Echo where they say she will be, Gillian Daly will be laid to rest today. Um, and of course, it was an awfully, awfully tragic event. Uh, This morning also uh, in the Examiner, um, the death of the Cork mother of two makes the front page as well because now there are calls for permanent safety barriers to be erected um, on the city's docks. There are some bollards and there there is some protection but in the event of an accident or anything like this happening, you can still drive a car onto the docks. God knows, we spoke about it on the air about six weeks ago when people were being fined and their cars being clamped for parking uh, on the quays. Um, so that's the latest development in that to prevent a tragedy like this ever happening again. But what happened Friday night, the person who broke that story, sad and tragic as it is, was Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. He joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What can you tell us? What do you know? Well, let's take us back to uh, Friday night, just around uh, quarter to nine. Lots of people in and around town having a few drinks, having a bite to eat. Others probably getting ready to go out for a night. Others settling down to watch TV for the night. And just at that time, quarter to nine, in the heart of the city at Kennedy Key, you had this horrific tragedy unfolding where the car was seen entering the water, uh, driven by Gillian Daly and her two little boys in the back of the car. They were aged 10 and 12. Now, Kennedy Key, for those who don't know where it is, it's just across from Goldberg's pub um, and and, uh, where the old Odlands plant is. It'll give people an idea where we're talking about. You'll always see the Port of Cork sign as well as you're coming up the quays. Uh, Lots of people were milling around the quays on the night and the car was seen entering the water. My understanding is that one of the boys managed to unbuckle himself and then unbuckle his brother and free the two of them, and then they made their escape from the sinking car. Now, at the time, we had a fairly high tide, so there was about two to three feet of a gap between the wall and the water. So members of the public were able to reach down and pluck the two boys who were basically fighting for their lives to stay, stay afloat. They managed to pluck them up and bring them to safety. And imagine the high tide helped that as well in some regard, didn't it? It was very, very high up the key wall so they could access the two lads. Um, I, I know then, of course, that all of the emergency services kicked in. Isn't that right? Yeah, you had a multi-agency operation which uh, swung into place. You had um, the Cork City Fire Brigade, the National Ambulance Service, you had Cork uh, Missing Persons, you had Mallow Search and Rescue, you had the helicopter, you had the Guardian scene. This was everyone, all hands on deck to do what they could to save um, Gillian Daly. Um, but unfortunately, that car went down under the water within minutes. And like Gillian was still, as we are led to believe that Gillian was still uh, belted into the car at this stage. The boys, as I said, one freed himself and then freed his brother, but the car went down. It was um, just then after, oh, I think just before mid- before 1am, that divers 
actually recovered Gillian's body from the car, brought it to the surface, and um, the body then was transferred to Cork University Hospital. The two boys were in hospital, of course, at this stage. They were taken by ambulance to Cork University Hospital. Just beggar's belief. Mm. You, you just can't imagine. They've been out for a bit of food, apparently, the three of them, hadn't they? They went into the yeah, city for a meal. My understanding is that they had been in McDonald's sometime earlier. I don't know, like, was it an hour or a couple of hours before the, the tragic accident? But uh, they had been in McDonald's, I understand, at some stage in the day. And um, here they were, like, just after nine o'clock at night, then two two little, you know, they're only 10 and 12. They're, they're little babies at the end of the day. And in such as horrific circumstances, um, you know, my understanding is that one of them hasn't even spoken since this no, no. horrific. Ah, sure, how could you be? The, it would be shock, unbelievable shock. Now the Gardaí uh, are treating it as a as a tragic accident and are appealing for witnesses. Are they to try and piece together what actually happened? Yeah, I mean, there's lots and lots of motorists in this day and age of dash cams, so um, some motorists, you know, may have been travelling down that road um, along the Keys that night. They're asked to check their dash cam footage. If they have any footage, to please bring it forward. CCTV is also being scrutinised. Obviously, that was harvested straight away from the um, from the cameras at Anglesey Street Car the Station. They'll be looking at the cameras and are at the footage to see Gillian's car. Um, they'll be, you know, they'll look at it at Kennedy Key. They'll they'll go backwards and see where it came from and of course what's crucial to this investigation <clears throat> will be statements from the two little boys and this will have to be dealt with with kid gloves yeah. honestly I mean yeah. these, with the, they will bring in specially trained officers to sit down with the lads talk to them in a nice uh, environment and you know maybe just slowly but surely get out as yeah. much information from yeah. the two boys as they yeah. possibly can. And what are your thoughts then on the, the the call this morning by the Deputy Lord Mayor Tony Fitzgerald that we really need to secure our keys? They are quite accessible, aren't they, all over the city? Oh, they're quite they're wide open. And I mean, during the pandemic, you saw that there was hundreds and hundreds of people every night sitting at the quayside, dangling their feet down into the water, um, you know, they were, they were all having a few pints. The, the place was a wash with people out having a few drinks. And I, at the time, to me, it's amazing. It's a miracle that nobody fell in. But they uh, do fall in. We, all, we hear, unfortunately, all too often of homeless people or people who have addiction problems falling in and drowning. Yes, I, I know that. And, uh, you know, I'm just talking about the people who wrote during that cold I know. period who yeah, were, I know. it's amazing that none of them fell in um, you know something worse yes I think the keys could be <clears throat> look there's a massive transformation going on down in the keys in the next couple of um, in the next couple of years but right now I think um, something should be done mm. it's unfortunately in Ireland, it takes a tragedy for something to happen mm. and why can't we now try prevent and prevent another from happening it won't look there's there's a bit of traffic on the keys still coming up mm. but people the, the council right now should erect or the port of cork whoever is responsible i think they should erect um fencing of barriers and put it up there and if a ship comes in to offload then some of the fencing can be taken down mm. and let the work continue mm. but let's not be talking here next week or next month or next year you're so tragedy. right you're so right sometimes it takes a tragedy to get things done you're so right sadly and all as that is yes it's, it's, 
unfortunately seems to be a typical Irish solution to an Irish problem. We wait for it to happen and then we'll put it right. Many tri- many tributes being paid to uh, this uh, wonderful woman, Gillian Daly, yeah. fondly remembered as a teacher, a mother and a wife, and she'll be laid, laid to rest today, isn't that right? That's right, and I mean, the tributes on um, RIP.ie, she was an adored mother, a fun-loving friend who had an inner glow of goodness. She brought so much joy to so many people and made a world a better place for so many. Another person wrote, you know, she was a teacher at a primary school at one stage, another mother wrote that her boy said, Miss Daly was the best teacher they ever had. A former pupil also wrote that Miss Daly was the best best teacher she ever had. Gillian, I think, I didn't know the lady from Adam, but I think she was a wonderful, wonderful person um, by all accounts. Reading the the tributes and um, sadly, this mum of two will be laid to rest uh, later today. Her funeral mass will be at Mill Street at 11 o'clock this morning. Thank you so much, Paul. As always, appreciate you taking the call. Paul Byrne, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News and our thoughts are with the uh, family of the late Gillian Daly and particularly with her two sons. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Calls on the way. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, just briefly, I know that uh, the uh, police north of the border now are preparing a file for prosecutors regarding these three men. Uh, they've sub- subsequently apologized over this video involving uh, a chant mocking uh, the murdered honeymooner. Uh, Michaela, Michaela McCravey, um, they, they're now actually saying, these three fellows are now saying that they've become the subject of a public witch hunt. Well, to describe their, their chanting about her death, I mean, she was uh, strangled in her hotel room um, in Mauritius in 2011. And to call that chanting and that singing, the men who've now resigned from the Orange Order, to call it in bad taste is, is an understatement. But there was uh, another issue here at the weekend that was shared with me, and this was a graphic uh, that was put up by Barcadia in Cork, and it's a graphic or a meme or almost like a cartoon, if you like, of a of a car parked on a key wall. Um, and the uh, comment that went that Barcadia put up with it was, "This looks safe. I'll just park here." Well, considering what happened on the keys of Cork at the weekend, people found that also to be in in bad taste. So we contacted Barcadia um, and asked them about it and told them of a number of upset listeners who contacted us claiming this appeared on their Instagram um, and they say, people were saying that a post like this is very insensitive to say the least following uh, the tragic uh, circumstances on Kennedy Key over the weekend. Um, so I will say Barcadia came back to us fairly rapid and they said, uh, many of our social media posts are scheduled in advance. A post which had been used previously is related to the game Street Fighter went up on Saturday. Um, This is the one we're referencing. It was quickly pointed out to us that it could have been seen to be related to the recent tragic event, the death of Gillian Daly on Kennedy Key, and the post was removed quickly. We apologise to anyone who may have been upset by it. It was unintentional and coincidental that it was posted when it was. So they came back and they clarified that, that the posts that they put up on Insta are, um, as I say, scheduled when, when in advance. They, you know, you might decide that you're going to put a post up at 12 o'clock tonight or 10 o'clock tonight or 8 o'clock tonight and you can do the post now and put a timer on it. And they're saying that's what happened as soon as they realised that it was in bad taste. To be putting up a, um, a graphic, this looks like a safe place. I'll just park here on a key uh, following the drowning and the death of a, of a mum. Um, you know, 
coincidental. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I hate to be the harbinger of doom and gloom, but yet more unbelievable carry-on in Cork over the weekend. Now, it was bad enough to be telling you about the carry-on up in McCurtain Street two weeks ago when this brawl, this fight literally took over the, the, the traffic lanes on McCurtain Street and they just were battering and baiting each other um, and people passing by, traffic held up. Uh, same carry-on on Patrick Street uh, over the weekend. So McCurtain Street, not 10 days ago, and Patrick Street uh, over the weekend. Um, and they're just hammering each other. It starts outside. Uh, it, it's interesting. It, hap- it happened to start outside the Savoy, which is all boarded up and, and locked up, and they're fighting outside the entrance to Savoy. And then it starts to spill over up and down a bit of the pavements. And before you know it, they're battering the heads off each other uh, on, on Patrick Street, and traffic is stopped as usual. Um, interestingly, we posted uh, comments on this over the weekend um, with regards to the antisocial behaviour. And that actually isn't the right term to use anymore. It's just thuggery. It's just wanton lawlessness. Um, and in the video that I'm watching, there's near a sign of a squad car going up and, and down uh, Patrick Street. Could I just also apologise, by the way, I had a guy on the air with me a week or so ago who said that there are three squad cars, park, squad cars parked up outside Michal Martin's house. And I said to him, you're wrong, there's only one. Because I often walk past it and I see the single squad car parked up there. I have to apologise, I was wrong. Uh, and he was right, because I was walking to the Simply Red gig last week and walked up over that area uh, near where Michal Martin lives. And there wasn't one squad car parked outside his door. There wasn't two squad cars parked outside in the park. There was three of them, two squad cars. And I believe it was an armed rapid response SUV vehicle, three of them. Um, I don't know why three is needed. Some might say why is even one needed, but there was three there. They were all parked up. At a time, so I suppose it's fair to say when we could do with squad cars going around the city because it's just going from bad to worse. And it strikes me as if they have no fear of anyone whatsoever, the people who are engaging in this car. I don't know why they're fighting anyway. I have no idea. Um, But um, with regards to violence in the city, it's not just Patrick Street or McCurtain Street. It continues everywhere. Town has just gone to the dogs. Proud parents are responsible as usual. Thank God my kids are overseas. These people who behave like this should be named and shamed, says D. Yeah, and dragged into court. It's disgusting. Uh, I had to drop an elderly man home last week. A fight broke out. He was terrified, the poor man. He had to get out. He had to get into my car, and I didn't even know who he was, says Lorraine. An elderly man just jumped into her car, terrified from on street fighting. They just got nothing to do. Uh, make them work for the dole, sweep the streets, cut the grass, and that means everyone. No more free stuff. In some foreign countries, you are kicked off the dole after 12 months if you don't try and work. Make them do courses, turn them into tradesmen and women. The country should be running enough stuff like this. And if anyone doesn't want to do it, then don't give them dole. Stop giving them free stuff. Uh, As poverty increases dramatically, violence usually becomes more commonplace. We desperately need more Gardaí to arrest ordinary people as more and more of them are forced to become become criminals to survive. I don't see how you can make that point, actually, and relate it to thuggery and beating the crap out of each other on McCartan Street or Patrick Street. But I, I can't remember it ever being so bad. Uh, let's see if Councillor Kenneth Flynn jo- agrees with me. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Do, does, morning? It, good. does it strike uh, yeah. you to be going from bad to worse? Uh, you know, I think in the last two or three years, I think we've had a huge increase in violence in our city centre and in our suburbs as well, I must say. Um, 
and it's becoming more and more violent and more and more aggressive. Um, I received those um, video reels uh, last night or yesterday evening, um, a couple of minutes after they after they they hit the internet, and everything happened so fast now to to see them. But I was I was with some of my friends, and one person mentioned to said, you know, do these people think they're Conor McGregor or what? You know, because it, it, it's 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 beyond a fight. It's it's huge aggression. It's it's something that you see in a, in a movie, you know. Like At one stage, the traffic have stopped, of course, and one guy picks up another guy and he throws him up and beats him so on top of the bonnet of a car. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at the things that happened on the 19th of May up on McCurtain Street. You look at the footage of people being, uh, being stabbed, the uh, footage of people in the Cork City at 3 o'clock in the day being pulled out of wheelchairs and beaten. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the reality of Cork City at the moment. And, you know, I've had people texting me throughout the, the yesterday evening and, and this morning saying, what has happened to our fantastic, beautiful city? So many people texting me privately saying, I'm afraid to leave my mum down the city. I'm afraid to leave my father down the city. I'm afraid to walk down the city myself. Well, you heard the story of the elderly gentleman who jumped into Lorraine's car. He was so petrified when this broke out. This is at five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. But but, but I'll tell you one better. I had somebody who contacted me the other day and asked me to call to the house because, uh, and to help them change the setup of how they receive their pension, uh, which I did. And the reason why is that they went into the GPO to collect their pension, which they've been doing for years. And they were followed out of the GPO. Now, luckily, they got into a taxi and escaped, but they were followed. And that was during 12 o'clock of the day. And, and that's what elderly people are. And are they were able of. to pick up on, on the fact that someone was up to no good following them, were they? Yeah, very much, very much so. And even the way the, the lady describes the story, you, you know, you'd know she was being kind of targeted. Um, because she, she ducked and dived and moved into a, a number of... Uh, God okay, Almighty, okay, so God where Almighty. This chap, ...where this chap was, was, was following her. Look, we, She'd we stop, he'd stop is, kind of thing. Yeah. God and Almighty. She went into a, she went into a Eventually, actually, she got into a taxi and left. She was very, very lucky. Um, but this chap was, out, was after the pension that she had collected that day. And, you know, I, I think she had left over maybe two weeks' pension. You know how some people collect them every yes, week. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it have, could be a substantial amount of money. It could be 600, yeah. 800 euro. Yeah, so you know, uh, and that's the situation that the that the city is in at the moment. There's without a doubt, and Neil, I, it seems to be every week we're seeing footage like this. But you why know, can't I, we I get Gardy? Why can't we get Gardy on the streets of, say, Patrick Street like that? With say, even with tasers, and these guys, the minute they step out of line, bang, they go down like a sack of spuds. Neil, I, I met some friends in the city myself on Friday night, and it's it's rare these days that I'm in that late in the city. You know. Um, we went out, we met for, for a few drinks and a bite to eat. Um, and what amazed me, it was now 12 o'clock when we were going home, so relatively early. What amazed me is the amount of young people on the streets. And I'm not talking about legal drinking age. I'm talking about 12, 13 year olds on the street. Drinking? That's just amazing. Yeah, um, not drinking, not drinking, all fairness. But, but so late, you mean? On the street. At, at that time of night. At that time of night. And there was a young fellow on the phone uh, right in front of us. And we looked at him and was like, kind of thinking, Yes, this hell must be only about 12 or 13, you know? And then another group of them around the corner, this is going down towards Grand Parade. It just amazed me the, the level of people that have no business in the city at that time. 
I don't get it. I don't get. I mean, somebody did say Barry. My house will be home. You'll be you'll be at home. Well, the twelve-year-old should be at home. But like Barry says, fights happen everywhere in town. You're just seeing it more now because it's being filmed and posted on social media, out of sight and out of mind. And in this case, because of social media, it's the other way around. In the sense, he's saying this was always the way. You're only seeing it now because people have video phones. Well, I think we're seeing it now a lot quicker, and we're hearing about it a lot quicker because of social media, and that's the way life is. But I don't think anything was ever as violent as that. And I certainly don't feel that there was a, a feeling out there amongst the citizens of the city that town or Cork City Centre or the Centre Island was a no-go. And I'm hearing that over and over again from people. People my age, people younger than me, people that don't want to leave their kids go into town. I'm talking their kids now being, being 18, 18 to 23, 24 that have a fear of that. I know husbands that don't want their wives walking. Yeah, but you're a member of our so-called city fathers. What are you guys going to do every Monday night inside in council? It's, it's well, like I, I, I'll be, I'll be you're with this, Cork, Cork actually to the guard. You're tasked, tasked with this. I brought up at a recent meeting with with the superintendent, and I, I noted the amount of alcohol on the street, which there's bylaws there for, and there's national laws as well to address it. The superintendent came back and said, "Look, drinking on the streets isn't a very serious crime to us." I've been attended. I've attended meetings. Drinking on the street guard, is guard, very much a serious crime when it leads to people baiting the heads off each other. To me, it is. It, it, to me, it is because it starts. We've never seen so much heroin on the street. We've never seen so much drugs on the street. I told her myself that I, that I witnessed at the side of Roach's stores not so long ago, maybe a year ago now, people doing an open drug deal at one o'clock in the day and not one guard on the street. We're being told continuously by ministers that there's more and more guards. If you check the Unguard Shia Khan website today or their, their, their Twitter account, they'll show uh, I, everything that's on the Garda Twitter account at the moment for the last three or four days is how many people they've pulled in at the side of the road, how many people they've arrested for... For driving, for driving misdemeanors, etc. Yeah, but we want uh, them to what, we want them to take the drink drivers of off the road. I mean, you saw the stats over the weekend; well over a hundred. I'm talking about fellas with bald tires, all that sort of stuff. Uh, speed cameras and the whole lot. That's what the well, we also want people with bald tires because they have a bald tire will burst; it'll spray across the lane and it'll total a family. There is very, very little focus from the Gardaí at the moment about tackling antisocial behaviour or tackling city centre violence. That's what I'm talking about. The focus seems to be on, on their achievements, um, stopping for tax insurance, etc. That's where the focus seems to be, certainly on their social media, if you, if you look through their social media. And look, that's all... And the, well, on their social media, who's saying, are the guards themselves saying that? Like that's the Unguarded Shiokana um, Twitter account. If you have a you know, researcher, can have a look at that and, and see what's on that. We have to do uh, something about the drink driving numbers, though. 3,000 people caught drunk. No, no, no. Neil, Neil, this isn't a conversation about drink driving. I, I don't support anyone drink driving. That, that, that's fine, and I agree with that. I don't, I don't agree with it at all. Um, and that's fine. But, but look, uh, the focus also has to be on city centre security and safety in the city. And for, for the, and you mentioned me being as a city father. I'm very concerned that our city centre island is going to is going to get decimated, and more and more businesses are going to move out because less and less people want to come into our city because they feel they don't feel secure. They, they don't, don't want to get caught up in that. By the way, Neil, they don't feel safe either in their own houses. And there's many people now listening to you or listening to me who are sitting outside, who are in their homes, and saying, "Geez, there's violence only a couple of metres away from me, and there's aggression only a couple of metres away from me from groups that are." meeting at the end of the estate or in certain areas in the state. So that's not being tackled either. I'm continuously hearing from people that are attending community meetings or community community meetings with Gardaí and the Gardaí are saying, well, don't ring us, ring Anglesey Street, don't ring your local Gardaí station because we, we don't have the resources to answer the phone anymore. 
Well, three of the squad cars were outside Michal Martin's home. But you make a conversation. The... You have to. That's a conversation you have to have with the Taoiseach. I don't know why he needs three squad squad cars. I don't know why anyone in the state needs three squad cars. I mean, I'm, but maybe there's something into. Well, it. I saw I them with my own eyes. That three. That three. Well, I, I honestly don't know. That's something you'll have to take up with me. All. Uh, I also have to note as well that earlier this 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 week we had three of our. Uh, a, a violent attack again in Balafalan. I'm not going to go into that, but we had three of our uh, of our fire service um, attacked and assaulted by, by stones. Does that have the level? Yeah, of and and, 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 and the 207 had to be taken off, didn't it? Because somebody fired a, a rock through it with a slingshot. Neil, the reality is that there's no respect for anybody. There's no consequences for anybody. There is a question of how how the judiciary is it. The, it, it handling things. There's a question of, and, and we've discussed this before, that parents may be, must be uh, held accountable for their children. But also there's, there's gangs out there. Uh, and I have this firsthand from speaking to people that have terrorised parents into paying over huge vast amounts of money that the Guardian are, are in possession of that information and the Guardian haven't acted on it. I have parents telling me that they can't control their their children. I I had one parent recently on the phone to me saying that she rang the guardie to say he has drugs in the house now. Please come and arrest him. Mm -hmm. And they're still waiting for arrest their own son. Arrest their own son because he was a drug dealer. Now that's a very difficult thing for any woman to do, for any mother of any child to do. And that's how desperate was. And yeah. there's been no assistance to her. I mean, I don't, I don't, I want, to, I don't want to overly have, dwell yeah. on this point, but yeah. if, I, I, I just I, think it's I, a valid I, question I, to I, ask. I think it's a valid question to ask a city councillor who has regular meetings with Angarda Shikona on Anglesey Street as to how they can justify three squad cars in Micheál Martin's house when at least two of those could be patrolling the city centre regularly. They're, they're all, be, all but taken off the road. Don't you think that's a reasonable question to ask the chief? I, I do actually. I do, Neil, and I, I'm quite happy to take that question to the to the guardie as well and look for a response for you. Um, and I, don't, I think it's I think it's it's obscene that we have a situation where we have people waiting for squad cars, with people ringing um, Anglesey Street and saying my house has been broken into, and a squad car arriving the next day. But I understand what the chief super will say, though, that he's his hands are tied on the matter. It's a national security directive. He has to follow it. Yeah, Chief Super is telling me all the time that, you know, re- log, log your crimes, log your crimes at Anglesey Street. Ring Anglesey Street and it's logged. But the reality is people are so sick and have so little time now, a belief or trust in the Garda services that they're not even logging their crimes anymore. When you're talking to community groups and you're meeting various groups, they're saying to me, Ken, there's no point in ringing the guards anymore. They don't. Sh- but should they know? They're should the interested. guards themselves know? They're stressed. They're stressed out. And I, and they're I'm leaving talking, the force. And that, that's correct. And I'm not talking about the ordinary guy that's walking inside the police station or from the sergeant. No. And there's a good guys that are very frustrated, very stressed, and very worried, and, and can't get services. And as I told you previously, there's 15 cells in the city. So if there's a big outburst in the morning, how do you arrest all these people? Okay, well, is yes, there a we role... The old city jail. Yes, we have the old city jail sitting idle. Is there a role then, How finally, say... Yeah, you can incarcerate people overnight in that. Is there a role for a drunk tank? Is there no, a well, I can, I can, yeah. well, maybe that, but also... Uh, well, is there a, a drunk tank? How would that work? I, I, well, you know, they, they run them in several cities around the world um, where people are taken in and given a cooling off period, etc. Sometimes they're fined, sometimes they're, they're, they're charged afterwards. And you also have in the United States, you have the midnight courts, which work throughout the, throughout the night, and people are charged uh, for misdemeanors. 
or for antisocial behaviour, for anything from graffiti up to violent behaviour. And, and that's dealt with, and dealt with quickly. And is there a role for the army to be policing the streets? Um, they, I mean, they could be the eyes and ears if there aren't enough guardy to do it. They could also identify drug deals going down. Or Well, look, I, I think the reality is, is that there's a need for a root and branch review of how the guardy are doing. Ah, but that's the typical political I, answer. No, no, that's, 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 no, no that's, the real, that's the reality of it. You know as well as I do there's a constitutional issue about putting an army on the streets. You know that as well as I do. Why? The Spanish that's do it, the, the Italians do it, yeah. they have no problem with it. Well, there's a constitutional French issue here. Oh, there's a constitutional issue here, you know that. Um, I don't know that, that they're up in Collins' well, barracks when they could be on the streets. Well, look, that's, that's, I, I send you all the information there on that afterwards, but it, it's very easily explained. It can't be done this day. Um, uh, look, I, I think we have to get our priorities right in this in this city. I think the guys, you need to get their priorities right. It's like when I'm talking to some superintendents, they're telling me their, their biggest problem is trying to dish out overtime. That, that can't be it. Mm. That can't be right getting a roster right. The, the, the biggest problem should be curbing all this antisocial behaviour. And as you, as you said, it's not just antisocial behaviour. That's downright tuggery. We have fellas dealing drugs in the middle of the street. We have violent behaviour that we've never seen before. And that's the reality. We've never seen that before. Okay. Okay. And what we, ha- what we have to do is get our guards back on the beat the same way as they were 20, 30 years ago. Well, actually longer, maybe 40 years ago, when you saw a guard on the street and you saw a guard in your community. Do you give him a taser? Would you give him a taser? Look, um, I, I wouldn't be. I, I've never been a fan of of, of, of guns or tasers or anything. I didn't that. say a gun. I, I just I said something yeah, that will yeah, disable them. Perhaps it is. Perhaps it is. Perhaps it is worth looking at. Okay. Look, I, I, I saw the footage of the taser stuff in the UK yesterday. I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I'm I'm not pro these type of. Uh, of, of well, of I, know, I know in the case of that chap who was tasered over and over and over again, he kept yeah, getting up, yeah. getting up, and he ultimately jumped off a bridge. God knows what yeah, happened after he jumped off the bridge. That was, that was shocking. I saw that, I saw that uh, online. That was absolutely shocking, and I think for anyone to go through that sort of thing. But look, we're, we're going to have to start with getting our guardie back in the street. We're going to have to start re-educating people as well. You know, we've been talking about re-educating people and introducing certain classes in schools. We do have to have respect for one another. So these characters don't even listen to school. They probably don't even go to school. I mean, that's a waste of time. Look, but isn't that isn't that the sad part of it? Okay, let me get that part. Let me get let me get some more calls on the air. Your thoughts are welcome. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Councillor Ken O'Flynn. John, good morning. Thanks for holding. Uh, John Larkin here, yeah. Hi, uh, Neil. Well, did you just want to pick up on this, particularly here in Cork, where we have very yeah, little Garda presence on our streets? Yeah, as I said, I was, I was talking to Seamus there earlier. It was at the Joint Police Committee one there in Wicklow. And I, I, I just put there was a superintendent there, chief superintendent, the whole lot of there, Wicklow County Council. I said, I'm like, why don't you have any more Garda? I mean, is, is the guard on the street already gone now. Or, oh, no, no, he said, they're still around. I said to him, like I said, we don't need a Lugs of Brannigan. We need hundreds of Lugs of Brannigans out there. And I know people go, say, James, who's Lugs He was Brannigan? a cop who took no messing, wasn't he? That's it. And he was a boxer as well. And like in those days, when you were in the 60s, when you, if you were a, a guard, you had to do boxing once a week. Because these are the type of people you're taking I, on. Yeah, I know, but the world has come I, I'm not on saying long that long I know, I know you, you don't have to box anyone or anything like that, but, you know, you're talking about tasering and all that. Like, if you look at the English police, it's like, you know, like, you, you can't go with your hands in your pocket to these people. Like, you know, they're not like old who may have respect. They have no respect. And then you have the other problem. You have the law society there as well. And they're getting a mock every time. So these, 
these, these criminals and these uh, anti-social behaviour people, what they're getting is, is that, that they're the cash cow for the law society. And if you look at the courts, you go around the courts around Ireland, and I see them in Wicklow and Dublin. I mean, it's the underprivileged are keeping these people in cities. You know, because there is Why are you saying that it's always the underprivileged or the poor or the discommoded that are in court in trouble, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the main, not everyone, but I'm talking about for this type of crime, you're talking about antisocial behaviour, uh, you're talking maybe drugs and all that. If you go around the, the different play, the different counties, you'll see that. And there's the people who get them off each time. They're back in the street, they're back in court, back in the street. And who's the, who's the winner? There's only one winner here, and, that, and that's the, the law society. The solicitors, they're, they're the cash cow for them. And, and, and back yeah, but in, they, would, they would say that people are, in te- are entitled to a defence in court, you see. That's Correct, I agree with you, but you're talking about a habitual offender. Anyone can commit a crime once or twice. But you're talking about good people with 100 convictions, 50 convictions, 80 convictions. Like, where, where do you draw the line? You know, that's the same thing. And you, know, you were just talking about the, the man there had to jump into somebody's car. Why the same problem there in Dublin there? A few weeks ago, my granddaughter was up at the Stormzy concert. And this was around 11 o'clock. She was roaring, crying to me, come up and collect her. And when I come up and collect her, there was no guard to be seen. There was no security. I was approached by a, a, a woman. She was Eastern European. She said, please help me, please help me. And like, she was totally disheveled. I said, I can't have a hat against the car because I might be blamed, you know. But I said, I'll try to get a guard. I'll try to get security. What was wrong with her that she wanted your help? There was somebody. She was attacked by do you know what was happening here? The Dragon Society had taken over Dublin. This is, this is at the Point Depot. You know what the big roundabout is there? And why did your niece want you to collect her? Why was she so upset? Because she had mixed, as usual, no, she wasn't my, was my granddaughter. And, Grand. you know, she got the bus. One summer coming back on the bus, you know, the bus was staying on and she wanted to come home. And she had enough of it at that stage. And that's why I came up and another girl stayed with her. And she was, I finally found her over at the Gibson Hotel. So all of the, the, the security had locked up the, the pipe deck at that stage and there was nowhere to go. And that's, that's what, and the dreads of society were out, they were in total control. You couldn't hardly use a, a mobile phone because you were afraid they were going to take it off you. And that's why there was no How guard. How the hell did it ever get so bad? It got so bad because, you see, like, the problem is, is that, you know, the, like, it's easier. That's why I said to the chief, certain why do you, like, in the good old days, and I'm not going to be harping on lugs running in and all these, because you had police on the street, or you had guardian on the street. You have them, and if you look at any of the crime apps or the English programs, there, I was in Liverpool, and Liverpool is a tough city, one of the tough, and they have these vans going around, and they have cameras on them, and, and anyone that, that they see is causing trouble, they're just pulled into it straight away. You know, so so, and that, and that, and there'd be no fear that they might identify or target someone who's innocent, though. Oh, they oh no! I think they stand out. And they, they can they, tell. The yeah. Let's be honest about this. One. They kind of know, but don't like, they? Exactly, exactly. Like all we want to do is, like as I said about Robert Kennedy, said he was the Attorney General. He was John Kennedy's brother, and back in, in, in 1964, he said, "You get society gets the criminals it deserves, and you get the and you didn't just." The, the, the law establishment that you insist on, and we don't. We, that we so we have the we have the criminal, but we don't have the the actual uh, prevention or, or or something that just the, the, the tools to task to deal with them. Yeah, I yeah, know what and, you're and there is, and I and, and I think that if if the um, if the manpower to guard in another way, as you're talking about three treat them outside Michal Martin's three, house. Yeah, sure, two squads yeah, and, and, sure a, and a rapid response. And I'm sure there's another one outside Bertie Hearn's house and all the other 
Taoiseach in the country, you know, that, like there's lots of things, I, and that man was there earlier on was talking about, like the silly things like pe- people speeding, and see them, they're all in behind But speeding you know. isn't, speeding isn't silly, speeding kills people. Oh yeah, yeah, but but I said like checking for the straw tax. I mean, should we have a national database so everyone should know that, that you could have three guys stopping pit cars on the road? I mean, okay, there's no perfect solution here, but we we need to be looking at putting the we need to be putting the the, the, the boots on the street. Guard, we don't need the army. We, we, there's enough. I think there's enough guardy, but we need to be manpowered properly. Okay, and you, you have to have priorities, and that's what I was saying to the chief. You need to have the priorities. And like people should feel safe in their houses, people should save people should feel safe and I didn't feel safe around Dublin that night, even though it's almost near the city centre and the same for Cork or every county or every town. And the only way to do it is that if they have to have a presence there and you have to have So are you saying to me, are you saying if Cork is bad, Dublin's a hell of a lot worse? Oh Jesus, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 There's, there's, there's no comparison. It's like there's areas there that are just utterly ghettoized. But I always blame myself and people in the country for ghettoizing in Dublin because they went up there and took the thousands of jobs on them. But, uh, like, it's totally there. You always blame whom? Sorry? Just for I said uh, the people from the country, like myself, people from the country that go up, to, I'm, I'm from Ardmore, and people that go up to Dublin, I said, I'm a refugee from agriculture, and we go in there and take the jobs and the houses and the people in Cherry Street and, and Belly Farmers and all those. And we, we, we help to ghettoize Dublin. Not everyone agrees with me, but, you know, we, 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 we must take some blame for it. Too many yeah. people migrated to the capital. All right, thank you, John. Appreciate exactly. it. Text 086 Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Might be interested in this. Um, this is from a healthcare worker, an email that I got this morning. Neil, I'm a healthcare worker who was working throughout the bank holiday weekend, as in the weekend just gone. I can tell you it was one of the worst I have ever worked. The city is an absolute disgrace. I reckon that one in every three people who presented to the A&D last weekend was related to alcohol abuse. There's something, there's, there's sometimes, they're sometimes so drunk that they even need help to go to the toilet when they arrive at the A&D. These people flood the A&D. And they put us workers, vulnerable, elderly and young patients at risk, who are there for genuine reasons. Would you like your elderly relative to have to share a space with a drunk who has wet themselves or worse, turned aggressive? Uh, the guardie, quite rightly, say they're not willing to take in people too drunk that could be a danger themselves to put them in a cell. They end up in A&E. Imagine they probably end up in A&E because they're brought there by ambulances a lot of the time, aren't they? Anyway, Neil, the city desperately needs a drunk tank where nurses, paramedics and guards, on overtime, not taking up existing resources, can look after these people without having them fill up our accident and emergency rooms weekend after weekend after weekend. And moreover, this drunk tank should be paid for by the publicans who are filling them up with drinks on a Friday and a Saturday night and then washing their hands clean of them when they stumble out the door. We have a serious drink problem in this country and the sooner we wake up to it and take serious action, the cleaner the city and its hospitals will be. And that by email to neil at redfm.ie. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. 
Text the Neil Prendeville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, busy morning this morning. Can I just do some texts and emails if you don't mind? Anthony got in touch regarding the disgusting, disgusting scenes witnessed in the Orange Hall regarding the murder of Michaela McCreeva, McCreevy while on honeymoon with her husband. Um, you need to speak about this. Well, I, I, I mentioned it earlier this morning when I was looking at the newspapers, but Anthony says these bigoted and vile people should be held accountable for their actions. Well, uh, police are investigating. Um, these scenes are commonplace in many Glasgow Rangers bars in Northern Ireland and indeed in Scotland. And shame on all those involved, especially the woman dancing while the bigots were singing. If you or anyone else thinks things have improved in the North, then you are mistaken. They absolutely hate Sinn Féin's success and will pull every dirty trick out of the hat in order for Sinn Féin not to be the main party in power. Even the three blind mice can see that's the situation. The unionists have come out to condemn the song. Why? Because they got caught. The unionist motto is and always will be what we have, we hold. Can you imagine the hurt and pain that song has caused both families? Thank you if you get to read this out. And I have done. Uh, One thing that I mentioned in passing this morning is uh, yet another bus taken out of service uh, the weekend, 7 o'clock. Uh, of an evening where the 207 had to be taken out. Why? Uh, Well, somebody decides to fire a rock through a slingshot through the window of the bus. Um, And you got uh, shock and carry on, to be honest with you, particularly if it were to come through a window um, and, uh, you know, distract the driver. God knows, with passengers on board, what could happen? The ordinary public deserve better, wouldn't you think? Um, People commenting on that comment from this morning. I'm in Cork over 21 years. It's always been a problem and it has always been disregarded by the authorities, which means it's accepted by the community. It will never change in the Glen. They were taught such a behaviour for decades and the skill has been passed on from generation to generation. The skill of firing rocks with slingshots at buses. Hmm. No determined when caught. Too many sad stories, you see. Too many excuses listened to by the judiciary. Uh, It's not surprising. Most of the youth are not being held accountable for their actions, often without less than a slap on the wrist. So it's no surprise there are stabbings and other types of situations happening. If there's no responsibility being thought uh, and executed at an early age, what can you expect? Surprise, surprise, the north side again. Bus, Aaron and taxi companies should just stop services there altogether. Let them walk, which is a rather uh, unfair picture to paint of the entire north side of the city, don't you think? But text 0868104106. On the point that I made to Ken O'Flynn as to whether or not the Gardee um, should be assisted by the army. The army can't be called in for cons- constitutional reasons, he says. Um, and apparently, uh, the courts have also taken the view that the Gardaí are entitled to call upon the assistance of the defence forces in support of their civil power. It would be ludicrous if it were otherwise. That's according to the Chief Justice, that the guards are entitled to call upon the army in support of civil power. And apparently, there is no constitutional rule which separates the functions of one class of citizen, thus uniformed and disciplined, from another. Um, This is what it says. This is what was said by the Chief Justice. Uh, The fact that day-to-day keeping of the peace is attended to by a police force does not prevent any other part of the state's service being called in to supplement it in need. And the Chief Justice of Ireland said that in 1997. So I don't believe that it cannot be done for constitutional reasons. 
I'm listening to what the Chief Justice said on the matter. So text 0868104106. Um, somebody did with regards to my conversation with Councillor O'Flynn. How dare Ken O'Flynn come on and lay into the Gardaí in the manner that he did this morning? I'd hazard the guess that if he had to get out of his comfy office and his sharp suit and walk a week in the Garda's shoes, he wouldn't be long changing his mind. I'm absolutely raging. And that is a text from a Garda's wife. Um, yeah, I can just text, uh, two some more texts in a few minutes time, but calls after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 yep. Red FM. So after the bank holiday weekend, so an email came in from a healthcare worker, worked through the bank holiday weekend, one of the worst that he or she has ever worked. The city is a disgrace. The point was being made that more and more people are turning up in A&E, one in three of them, Langers, out of their minds from drink. Way too much of it. A lot of the time they're brought by ambulance because they can't look after themselves or they've been involved in a scuffle or a fight or what have you. And that healthcare worker said that there should be a drunk tank in the city and it should be paid for by the publicans who are filling them up with drink particularly across the bank holiday weekend and washing their hands clean to them when they stumble out the door. Prompted a text from Tom O'Hearn, a publican himself, the Wagon Tavern in Fromoy. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, and well, you take umbrage with a drunk tank oh. paid by publicans. Yeah, I'm doing, really, it, it, it's always on the public. And I mean, the public, well, most publicans have been closed over the last year, year and a half. And in fairness, like, I, as a publican in, in the county there, in Fomoy, like, we take fierce responsibility and monitoring of all of our customers, right? And there's no way that we send out any of our customers either very, very drunk or, or you know, or we always make sure we take them home. But what my how, how, that, but how do you make sure? Like, what, you hardly just... I, I drive them home. I drive them home. When I... When I determine that they have enough to drink and they're not drunk and that they have enough to drink, I will offer them a spin home. And when you're in the, when you're in the county with no no public with no public transport, no taxis, and you turn around to a person and you say, "Look, I think you have enough for tonight. You need a spin home." Yeah, but home. okay, if that's great. Well done. That's idyllic in your pub that you can drive your customers home. But in the big city where there are dozens and dozens and dozens of pubs, there isn't a single yeah. one of them driving their customers home. There's probably not, but there's a lot of taxis in that city that can do it. There's a lot of taxis. There's, no, there's very little taxes in Fomoy, and if we don't do it in the small towns and the small villages around the, the country in the county, you're not, you're not going to get them out first of all. And then what's going to happen is, my, my point then is, that they're getting drinks from supermarkets, they're getting from off-licenses. I'd like to know that this healthcare person, before they come on the, the, the phone, to do a survey and say, were you drinking at home? Were you drinking out in the street? Well, the, the, the healthcare worker who worked through the bank holiday yeah. weekend said, we have a serious problem with drink in this country yeah, and we but, need to wake up and take serious action so that covers your point it, we have a serious problem with it we have but she wants the public she wants the pubs so she's saying mainly or sorry that, that person he or she they're saying that it's mainly the pubs because why why have these purposes and get the pubs to pay for why don't you say the drink industry any drink industry that's my point my point is she or he or she pointed out specifically that the pubs should pay for this the pubs are paying for everything. The pubs are paying for, for insurance for, for people coming. The sky, the heating, the lighting, the way they're wearing their... They're paying as... as but how many pubs in the city are actually turning around and saying to customers, you've had enough, I'm not giving you any more? I did say few enough, they're, they're, I'd say. They're not, they're not, they're not doing their job, so they're not doing that. But like, there's, no, there's no control in a supermarket. You can go in there and buy five slabs of, of, of lager and go home and drink and, and, and get paralytic and there's no, there's no issue with it, like... 
Yeah, but you're you're at home. You're not falling around the city streets or frightening and brawling. Actually, I have to say, the brawls and the fighting that I've been talking about, say, on Patrick Street yesterday or indeed on McCurtain Street 10 days ago, fortnight ago, none of them would have been in a pub, to be honest. They wouldn't be served in a pub anyway. They're not yes. pub drinkers. Yes. Yeah. There's, like, there, yeah. But yeah. but, but coming to the, the, the second, the, like they, that person wants just to be paid by publicans. The publicans are paying enough and they have enough to be paid. And the publicans are the only responsible people that are actually serving drink to anybody. Supermarkets and big off places and all that. They don't care who they serve it to. They just send it out the door. And I mean, like all these, a lot of these, if you look talk to any, any garage or any, other, most of these places, these elements are going to private households and being taken out of private households. And all the fighting, 90% of the fighting is happening is either happening out in the street where there's drink out in the street. But you can't tell me this culture of where people could drink out in the street the last two years. Nothing was said at all about it. Suddenly, as soon as pubs open up, oh no, you must watch them. They can carry a plastic cup outside your cup, outside your pub. But no, but the last two years, they could drink out in the street. They could drink away. Yeah, but we gotta listen to health. We have to listen to a health worker who works right across the bank holiday weekend, sees it with their own eyes. One in three people presenting at A and E last weekend was related to alcohol abuse. So they were in. They were a danger to themselves on the streets and had to be picked up by ambulance or brought by the guards to the A and D. Yeah. Yeah, but how many So that means so I know I and I understand that I understand that people like that's that's where I have a problem. If it was a drink industry and it wasn't just the Pope picked out the drinks, I'd have no No, 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 but the but but the healthcare worker is saying is they came they had to come out of pubs. It was in the city. They they weren't drinking inside in an off license. They weren't necessarily drinking too much in a restaurant. It was pubs. And I don't so they weren't drinking down by the river or anything like that. What? They weren't drinking down by the river, down by the river, Lee, or drinking out in the public outlet. That's, that's true, that's true, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, there's a 100% like, I'd like to know that, okay, if there was one in three, what percentage of that, that they came in and said, where were you drinking? Okay. Like, if you, if, if you're stopped by the, stop the guards on the street, the guards are, where, do you, where were you drinking tonight? And if you say, oh, I was drinking in the wagon tavern for my, the guards have been top of me and said, this man was, came out of your place last night, very, very drunk. Okay, just just before I let you go, and you make an excellent defence of publicans. What's what's from Moy like um, with regards to safety issues or antisocial behaviour, say at the weekends or at night? Well, well I, I think for my, I think for my is a great town. Anyway, I don't. I think I think we 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 um, there's, there's a little town here that you know there's no real antisocial drinking. I suppose you have a, a small bit of it, but. As towns go, I think for my great town, there's nothing happening. But you don't have you people know. at night baiting the heads off each other or no, in the middle of traffic no. and throwing people up on top no, of bonnets and stuff. Right, no. Okay, no, okay. No. okay. All right. I mean, we, have, we have a fairly sized regatta station here for my and they are around all the time, you know, so. Okay, all right, no, thanks for that. Thanks, Tom. Not the greatest phone line. That's uh, Tom O'Hearn, publican with the Wagon Tavern. Wagon Tavern. Re- regarding A&D, then, um, it's disgraceful, but not surprising. I'm 31 with an underlying health condition. I was sent to the CUH for a suspected stroke. I got an MRI 72 hours later. I've gotten used to the fact that they don't take young people seriously, but letting old people wait in pain, that's terrible. Now I can see some of the reasons why. But the people who are out there that shouldn't be there in the first place. I witnessed it myself. Two weeks ago, I was in chronic pain for two days and two nights before I got to bed. It was very frightening in the accident and emergency. You just don't feel safe. People calling out to doctors and nurses while passing 
uh, while passing them looking for help. So the doctors and nurses are passing and they ask them for help just to be ignored. Uh, in my opinion, Marion says, the staff are cranky because they're all overworked. Shame on our ministers. It's safer to be sick at home if possible. Things will never change in our hospitals. They're too heavy with management and we all suffer as a result. God bless our useless government for continuing their useless work. Hope they all have a great trip away soon on their summer holidays. I was in a hospital one night. There was an elderly lady on a chair. She was in with her heart. I asked the nurse, could I give her my bed? The nurse said, no, we can't do that. I asked why, and she said again, no. It's a disgrace that what goes on out there. I wouldn't mind, but there was a young fellow next to me full of drugs and being treated like a royal. I never forgot that poor woman. I believe every single word that you're saying on air, um, particularly anybody who says that the staff don't look after them the way they should. They really don't care about them, says Harriet. Well, I'm certainly not saying that. I think that they're absolutely overworked, underpaid and overwhelmed. Uh, Poor woman, what's the world coming to? Why can't anyone sort out our health department? I just don't understand how how we're still like this and allowing it to just get worse. My own mother fell and banged her head. We went up when COVID was about, and when people weren't going to the hospital, and she was still left eight hours in a chair in agony. Uh, She only got seen to when she started getting sick around the reception area. Surely loads of people must be dying in A&D with these waiting times. We just never hear about it. Uh, One more. Uh, No words can express my disgust the way our taxes and all our taxes that we've paid have been and are being used. They talk of climate change, ecology and carbon footprints. What about looking after what is more important to us now? Or do lives not matter anymore, says Elaine. Um, I mean, you talk about A&D and uh, like I I saw Pat Phelan tweeting there last week about his daughter-in-law who's uh, Spanish and he was saying that she waited 18 hours in the A&D to be seen here in Cork and eventually just walked out like, like many people do. Uh, I believe that she subsequently went back to uh, Spain and was seen in a matter of uh, minutes and all sorted under the Spanish system. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. I also had a story shared with me the weekend of somebody down in Australia who's living there now, an Irish person who came off a bike um, and uh, was seen really, really quickly in the Australian accident and emergency system. I don't know what city. I suppose it's all full of Irish doctors and nurses who are doing the treatment out there. Maybe that's the reason why. Anyway, text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Now, I'll come back to this again throughout the course of the morning, but a lot of other stories floating around, some of them floating in the sky, others not taken off at all. Adam, good morning. Can you hear me all right? Hello, Adam. Hello. hello. Ah, there you are, pal. Sorry, I'm hoping I'm not distracting you. I just wanted to pick up on your story out of Amsterdam. Oh, Jesus, you have no idea what happened. What happened? T- tell me from the start. Were you coming home or what? Um, we were due to fly up to Amsterdam two and a half years ago, the week of COVID. Yeah. But obviously, we couldn't. So, things started opening up, and my girlfriend's like, fuck it, oh, sorry, we'll try it. This time, we'll fly off and make, make the most of it, you know? Yeah. And we had a great three days, and blah, 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 we'd laugh, and we just, we were bear hopping around the Irish bears, and just do as we carry on. Yeah, it's good. Amsterdam is fantastic. It really is, yeah. yeah. And, and the flight, the flight out of Amsterdam Sunday was due for 25 past nine. So the checking gate was open at five to seven in the morning. It was we like we chased we go over there early. So we were over there at half five. This is yesterday, was it? Mo day before no, yesterday, Tuesday. Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So um 
between the juice and meals anyway, and we were just waiting around and we were this and we were getting excited to come home because we were both working today, like. Yeah. And next thing, there was a, a woman called out when it was, it was five to seven, the gate opened and then they stuck with uh, what we worked on the floor. She was like, everyone to the left for Cork, everyone to the right for Dublin. So as far as she was concerned, we were all flying out. And uh, next thing, there was a commotion over the radio and next thing, there was a lot of people, there were Dutch tourists in front of us, everyone started swearing. And we were like, what's going on? Like, you wouldn't believe it. Everyone that was flying to Cork, they're all Dutch. Everyone was speaking Dutch. We were the only two languages in Cork. So, th- this, I'll, I'll come to that in a second. But this was, so this was an Aer Lingus flight from Amsterdam to Cork, was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, you, would, and you would have been the only two Cork people on that entire plane? That we could see it that, or, that early, yeah. All Dutch people coming here for their holidays? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so what happened? Next thing we have to ask the Dutch people what was happening, and they said, "Oh, flight cancelled, flight cancelled." Flight cancel. And next thing we asked the, the the dispatcher, and she said, "I'm sorry, the plane is cancelled." And I said, "What do we do?" He said, "Aer Lingus actually has no representative in Amsterdam Airport, but Swissport are their agent, and Swissport are over there if you'd like to deal with them." So we drove to the Swissport Swissport desk. The guard just gave us a clipping, a paper clipping of a number to ring for Aer Lingus in Dublin. And we tried to explain, and she said, just ring the number, and that was it. <laughs> so we rang, rang the number, and it was ringing out, ringing out. So I rang home, got my mom. She, my mom woke up, this was half six hours time, so she was ringing up. I rang her dad. He was ringing up. Um, my aunt was ringing Cork Airport. Cork Airport was ringing out. So we went, so we walked away for 10 minutes, caught a bearings, went back, and the one in the Swissport test basically said, uh, fabulous off just ring the number and then she gave I don't speak I don't understand English uh, so the usual uh, excuse yeah 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 litany of disaster so, after disaster yeah yeah. so I haven't smoked really in about four years and neither with the girl so I was like we need a fag <laughs> and did you smoke? I did yeah <laughs> after four years the cancer flight forced you to pick up a fag I used I would smoke and I, the other one had a wedding you know to drink I do know if you'd have a snakey one, but we actually like started eating the fags outside the airport. Oh man, that's and a high price airport. to pay for a missed flight. Oh stop! So we were just hanging around for about an hour, and I was trying to gouge us and what to to the fellas who buy the cancelled flight ticket. Yeah, and the prices were outrageous. They wanted like three fifty each. How did they? Over. How did they work? Why would they buy a cancelled flight ticket? So people who don't turn up, they actually have they decide to fly anywhere from eight to nine euros. And we tried them, and he said, I'll put you two tickets for this evening. Fly direct to Dublin if you want. And I was thinking, we're holding on about it. So just, you can we, buy we, a black market plane well, ticket? I, 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 I wouldn't know if they're black market, but they're, lad, they're like lads who buy the tickets. There are people that don't turn up to actual flights. And how did they get their hands on them? I don't know, because I was, he wouldn't, they were, they were nice, but they were actually behind. Like, you can actually do that outside an airport, certainly in Amsterdam. No, 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 it's, it's like an actual desk in, in the Amsterdam airport. Oh, it's not the black market then, it's just reselling tickets for... Oh, whatever, you know, yeah, yeah, okay. Half six in the and, morning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> and um, so we were like, fuck, what are we going to do? So, sorry for crossing. So we were there for an hour, next thing, my girlfriend got an email saying, oh, due to flight disruption, blah, blah. And next thing, two fresh tickets for tomorrow, which will be Monday morning, same time again. So I'm just like, what are we going to do? So we scraped money together. You what? We scraped our money together, what we left in our, in our wallets. And we got um, a price for a hotel, which is apparently three minutes away from the airport for 110 euros. Why aren't they putting you up in a hotel? Does that not, isn't that not what's supposed yeah. to happen? Yeah, there was, yeah, there was, no, there was no one there. 
we were left on a tide of skip all airport and uh, there was no nothing happening so um so we had 110 euros and we were able to resolve uh, we were able to book into this hotel called the Florian and it was apparently three minutes away from Schiphol Airport yeah. and we asked, we asked the taxi drivers and we asked the very loads of, loads of like, guides outside to help you to tell you where you're going and blah, 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 give you directions so my man bought in the taxi and he said oh that'd be 25 euros oh god <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. and was it, just, was it literally a three minute taxi ride? It was more like eight, eight or nine minutes. Like it was completely exaggerated on Google with you know, the location. Oh yeah, they do that. Yeah, yeah. So we were, we were completely three minutes you know, from the airport if you're driving at 150 kilometers an hour, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So we eventually got to the airport. We totally forgot it was about this day. It was half eight in the morning. So we went to check in, and the man said the room was going to be ready at two o'clock. <laughs> oh no! So Did we you- sat in. The- did you have enough for the hotel room having paid the taxi? Yeah, we split on yeah, because we I did dip into we said I was gonna get my mum and her friend to pack on join the duty free. Yeah. So we did dip into there a few bobs like so I think you couldn't make it up like so <laughs> and did you get to fly out yesterday then? Yeah. Because we got on to Aer Lingus and they said that the flight from Amsterdam to Cork was cancelled due to extraordinary circumstances. Uh, what 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 are extraordinary circumstances? I haven't a clue. It's an interesting excuse, isn't it? Extraordinary circumstances. It doesn't actually explain anything. No, and we were just we just didn't know what was going on. It was a complete an awful shamble. And when then when like we went back up to the check in desk at twelve o'clock in the, in the hotel and your man like took pity on us because I think he got one of the team like you know, just to like scrub up a room as fast as he could. He said, look, I know your waiting is, and I know your circumstances in fairness to him. So he just chilled out in the room. And then we went down just to try and walk to a shop or nothing. And we found out that it was a, the hotel was full of Ukrainian refugees. Yeah, I know. A lot of them are, yeah. A lot of them are. <laughs> and it was, just, it was actually, you couldn't, you couldn't even make it up. And it, like, home safe was, home safe and sound now, though. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the risk of flying now you just don't know whether you'll get there and more importantly whether you'll ever get back into the country at least you got yeah. back yeah it was like what we want to do is to change if the flight to cancel a second time you know? I know I know I know I know but at least you still enjoyed Amsterdam though if nothing else <laughs> yeah that was yeah that was bad anyway. and nobody got any duty free no <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> okay nice one Thanks, Adam. Thanks take care, bye, take bye, care, bye. take care. What do people buy in, in Duty Free anyway? Well, they buy booze, of course, and they buy fags, and they also buy these jumbo-sized bars of Toblerone. <laughs> it seems to be the most popular chocolate at airports, Toblerones. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106, and we'll come back to it again. Actually, I just want to go back. The increasing dangerous situation on our main streets This is from Dan. He says, The increasingly dangerous situation on the main streets of our lovely city are no one's fault other than the people that are there to enforce law and order. Why can't they just get stuck in and do their jobs? The fear of GSOC and the rest of the liberal snowflake brigade is not helping either. There are mouthy teenagers shouting and roaring, winos drinking and junkies taking drugs in full view of everyone, it seems, except the people that have the power to arrest these scumbags. Try that kind of carry-on in Paris or Stuttgart or Barcelona and the cops would have you booted into a paddy wagon and in a cell with no molly coddling. 
any gobbing to them and a flake of a baton would be delivered as well. Bring back the guards of the 1970s Ireland. They were tough men where a boot up the backside was the first contact with the aforementioned scum, says Dan. Well, you, you just said it there. Anything like that, if we were to ever go even close back to it, would result in GSOC inquiries into the Garda. Uh, and that Garda, of course, then um, would be uh, taken out of service and taken off the beat and um, big investigation would start and their careers would never be the same again. So that would be GSOC and, as you call it, the Liberal Snowflake Brigade. Um, but uh, with regards to our laws, say, for instance, where they can't be named because they're under 18, that has to be changed. I'm sure you're aware most of what's happening today is carried out by that particular age group, the gangs, the violent attacks, the drugs. Now most of those teenagers are like big adults, even though they are technically teenagers. I'm not sure like what, the use, what it used to be like. This 18-year thing has to change to maybe 14. Name them after 14. I know you're not discussing this topic, but I wanted to highlight what I saw in town recently down by the bridge next to Jury's. Man sitting there on the footpath, syringe in hand, desperately trying to find a vein in his arm to inject. Then he removed his shoe and sock and searched his ankle and proceeded to inject between his toes. It was 2.30pm in the afternoon. Parents were walking past with their kids. We were in traffic, stopped at the lights. It was a sad sight. Could we have phoned someone to help him, I wonder? I wonder indeed. Um... Just staying with the calls just ahead of the ad break. Thomas, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so that segues nicely into what you want to talk about. This somebody yes. observing somebody trying to yes. inject between their toes. There rec- I had an appointment re- there recently in Mary Street. And I'm an old age pensioner, and I just happened to be passing over by the, uh, the Parnell Bridge. There's the Memorial Garden there. And down there, the Memorial Garden, there was about half a dozen, maybe maybe more, and it's quite obvious that they were on some sort of substance or something like that because they were completely out of it. And this is during the day, if you were going this for is an appointment. This is, about, this is just just before, about quarter to two in the, in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. So At I'm the Peace Park, down, is it? Yeah, I think it's the Memorial Park, there, yeah. just at the top of the mile. Yeah. You know, by the Parnell Bridge. I do. Just, 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 yeah, yeah, we're on by the city um, park. Well, that would be Parliament. Oh, Parnell Bridge. Oh, down yeah, oh, the yeah. lower. Oh, I do know it. I do know it. The end of the mill. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a beautiful Sorry. little, 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 little seat, seating area. Just there, by course, Morrison's Quay. Sorry, I'm on the wrong end yeah, of the mill. It's, yeah. it's right across from Union Quay. You gotcha. know this. Go ahead. Yeah. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm, I'm walking down on my appointment, and next I spot a, a traffic warden. So I said, excuse me, dear, sir, could I ask you a question? I said, this is quite sound stupid, but I said, I just want to ask you this. I said, if you had to take on an extra duty, I said, and that's issue tickets for people that use drug abuse. I said, what would your percentage be? And he said, 70-30. And I said, what do you mean 70-30? He said, I'd be giving out 70 tickets for drug abuse and 30 for parking. (sighs) He said, this city is sick. And Neil, I agree with him, it is sick. And see, traffic wardens will see it all. They're in all the streets and all the side streets, yeah. They see everything. And I know it myself from my experience going through town, and I've spoken to you about this before. But the other side of it is, is that... We well, you say, it looked like, I say, you say it looked like a drugs party. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, you, you know, you, you know, you know that it, 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 there was more than drink involved. Yeah. Okay. Because they, they, they carry on the shouting, the roaring, the screaming, all this kind of yeah, stuff that goes yeah, on there. yeah, yeah. But the other side of that, Neil, is that we have a Lord Mayor. I don't even know his name. 
I don't know where he came from. I don't know what he'd done before he ever became Call Lord Mayor. Call him Kelleher's the Lord Mayor. He's from Ballon Kelleher's an elder. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. But what we need in this city is we need somebody, the first citizens with a bit of balls, to put a task force together to clean up this city and to get it back to where it should be. What would that involve? What would that involve? What well, 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 that would mean have, have him sort of drug enforcement, like, like, like parking attendants, that you would have people out there that could issue tickets for people that are using drugs or selling drugs. Come you on, that's cuckoo land, Thomas. Like you're asking, know, you're asking a drug dealer to hand over an, an instant fine. The drug dealer should be arrested. Exactly, he should be. And should but the misfortune taken, the, misfortune taken, the drugs hasn't got any money in his horror pockets. They have nothing. But there's, but there's nobody, there's nobody tackling it. It's just oh, it's open season out there. You can see the, if you're walking through town, you can see people on drugs. You can see people doing drugs. There's nobody, there's nobody, there's nobody out there to sort of say, but the boss to sort of say, we've got to clean up this city. We've got to take it, take it back. We need to take it back and we need to get control of it. Sorry, you still there, Thomas? Okay, he's not there. Try and get him back there if you can. I just have an interesting text actually come in. I just wanted to mention it to Thomas. This is from a serving member of Angarda Shikana. I never give out any details at all of anybody that works for Angarda Shikana or works within a... Uh, uh, health setting if they contact me. Morning, uh, I'm a serving member of Vanguardia Shikona in Cork City. The problem is not enough members on the regular unit and too many members working in offices. In Anglesey Street alone, you have up to 10 Garda members dispatching calls. That's four units, 10 members a unit. That's 50 extra members we could have on the street. Don't give up my details. I know you won't. No, I won't. But just looking at the maths of that, I think Thomas is back again. I don't know whether you heard much of that, Thomas. A serving member of Vanguardia Shikona says that there are, in Anglesey Street alone, 10 Gardaí dispatching calls. You know, answering phones? Yes. So that could be clearly done by admin or by clerical staff or office staff, yeah? Absolutely. So those, four guard, those 10 guards then would be out working um, in squad cars or working in units. So if you've got... If you've got 10 Garda members dispatching calls, that's four units. 10 members a unit, that's 50 extra members could be on the street. Absolutely. And that's what we need. We need to take back the streets, Neil. We need to get our city back. As far as, 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 far as I can... So if you're wondering why they're not on the street, they're answering phone calls in the likes of Anglesey Street. Yeah, and that shouldn't be. Yeah. Like, shouldn't like be. when you ring 999, a paramedic doesn't answer the phone. It's uh, it's a it's a it's a central hub where I'm assuming there are clerical admin staff staff answering the phones to get an ambulance to you. Paramedics don't answer; they're in the ambulances. We want guards in the squad cars, right? Right. We want we want we want we want uh, guards in the squad car. We want guards on the street. We need to take back our city. We need to take it back because it's falling apart and it is sick. It is very very sick. And if nobody have, has the balls, and I mean the balls, and I mean our first citizen, the Lord Mayor, he should put a task force together and sit down with people, whoever they are, with publicans, with uh, business people. But they do and, meet and regularly. I think they have a thing called a joint policing committee. They all meet, all of the stakeholders meet, probably monthly in court. But, but obviously it isn't working. I mean, what, what are they doing? What are they talking about? I mean, do they publish, do, do they publish these meetings? Like, is there's people, I'm an old age pensioner, there's people out, there's, I'm sure there's people out there with ideas, more ideas than I have. 
that could sort of contribute to the 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 the. the, the and when the when did you think we lost? When, when do you think we lost control? When was it? I think we lost it a long time ago. How I long ago, lost, though? I mean, I'd I'd say maybe in in the last ten years, in the last decade, I think it was gradually going and going, and, and you could see it. You could see you could see that the, the drug problem was getting worse and worse, and that the violence on the street was was increasing all the time. And now, with after, of course, after the, the the pandemic and everything, when everybody got their freedom back and more, I mean, I can see it because I can like where I live, and you know where I live very well. I'm, I'm down by your your your, your, your late grandmother, but I can see across to the keys at night where where I, I walk, and you can see the antics going on there for the climbing cranes and screaming and roaring and shouting and and stuff like that. It's just. So it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be a crime or it doesn't have to be a fight. It can be the roaring, the screaming, the pushing, the shoving, the that kind of carry on climbing cranes and just hanging out and, 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 and has been to make people feel to make people feel afraid to go into the city. And it's been approached inside in town. It's anywhere. Like if you're talking about McCartan Street, McCartan Street is a volatile area because it's one of the main arteries coming through town to go on the on the, on the Dublin streets or the on the Dublin route. And just like you know, you know I, I I feel very I feel very nervous going out on my own. All right, I just right. I just I just have to pick it. I just have to pick a time when I think that, like at four o'clock between four and five I go out. You have to consciously be aware of the time that you can go out, like yeah. like as if you're on a curfew. Absolutely, yeah. And oh. already I've been in prison for two years because of the, the because of the virus that I couldn't. Oh, I know. Because it was yeah. yeah. I know. I again. I know. Again, I'm sort of being, if you like, being penalised. Because of the antics that's going on in town and the what's going on in town, and we need somebody. We need, as I said, we need somebody. And I hate to use this with balls mm. that will take the city by the, by the neck and the scruff and set up a task force. Get in and get somebody to look at us. Look at what's going on. Look what look look what people are, have to put up with. And I'm sure shopkeepers and businesses will come across to you and say, "Neil, we're sick with it. We have security people. We have this. We have that, and all, but we still can't control it." And we need somebody to do something. Yeah, the, the last I was in town again a couple of times last week, and uh, one one particular day I was really conscious. I wanted to see everything with my own eyes. Now, by, bear in mind, it was it was a, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock, so one would think that that would be a reasonably quiet time. Um, and there was a good buzz inside in town, but unfortunately, everywhere I went, you'd see these bunches of lads, right? Yeah. And they're they're rough enough looking lads now and they're roaring and they're screaming and they're walking around in packs and they're pushing each other and they're just noisy. I mean, I imagine people feel intimidated just by that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even, 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 even last night now when I was coming back from my walk, there was, I was coming, I was just coming on to Alfred Street by the Dean Hotel and there was, there was obviously visitors coming out of the Dean Hotel and they're heading down Alfred Street, heading into town. And there was this girl coming up and she had a partner with her and she was screaming into her phone. And the language and the screaming was going on. And you, these, these people just stopped. Charming, and yeah. Sort of, just, they, they, they just sort of pushed out, you know, just gave her, just gave her leeway to pass. And you're aware of the fight then yesterday afternoon on Patrick Street, are you? Sunday, I, should I, 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 only, I only heard that on your programme. On Sunday, yeah. But I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And, and that's, that was, that's, the, that's one that was reported, Neil. I'm sure that if, 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 if people started to ring in and they, they've witnessed it all over, all over the city somewhere. Maybe I just see more of them than anybody else because I've just sent all of them, you know. Maybe it's always been that way. I don't know. Maybe it's just but, people are capturing it on their phone. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a city man. 
I'm a city man. I grew up in the city. Right? I'm 76 years in the city. And this is the worst in my whole life that I've ever seen. Yeah, well, that sums it up. You, I mean, you have, you have the right to speak 76 years in there. Yeah. yeah. Sad, isn't it? It is sad, Neil. Stay touch, Thomas. Thanks for taking the call. I met a friend in town yesterday for a few hours and we sat outside a well-known bar. All I can say is what I saw was horrendous. We met at around 4.30pm and it started with witnessing a very, very drunk elderly man falling from a concrete slab he'd been sleeping on. Two guardy arrived, trying to help him to get up. The man then became aggressive. Others tried to help him too. After some time, a paddy wagon came and took him away. I assumed to a cell to help him sleep it off. But the man was in an awful state. He had no shoes on and looked like he's always been sleeping rough. I'd say he was in his early 70s. By the time the paddy wagon came, there were six Gardaí on site. The whole episode lasted about an hour. As soon as the wagon was gone, you could evidently see the dealing commenced on the street. People were staying in doorways, being approached by well-dressed, presentable persons... And then they were going, begging for money. We were asked for some spare change, but said no, as it was clear where it was going to end up. It was getting very uncomfortable. We both left to get separate buses at around 7pm. I was getting the bus outside Eason's and the site outside the Savoy was unbelievable. I understand that homeless people need food and other support, but but 80% of those using the services um, yesterday evening were absolutely off their heads and in a party atmosphere. It was frightening. This is the homeless uh, food service outside the Savoy. Uh, I was very glad to hop on the bus and head home. Something has to change. Perhaps the on-duty guardie were attending other similar incidents in different parts of the city because it seems to be everywhere. Resources and attitudes need to change. The city needs to be made safe again. It is very clear that addiction services are nowhere close to where they need to be. Because judging by what I saw yesterday, if those that need addiction services got them, then we would have very little numbers sleeping on our streets uh, from a very disillusioned but proud Cork woman by email to neil at redfm.ie. Just one fast one. If you, if in the UK, if you sell alcohol or you are the proprietor of an establishment that sells alcohol, you must have undertaken a comprehensive licensing course to allow you to sell the alcohol. You must also have an employee on the premises at all times who has undertaken this course when the premises is open. In Ireland, there is no requirement to have any training in the selling of alcohol. And in the UK, you can be held personally liable if you sell alcohol to an already intoxicated person or a person who is underage, says Brendan. Thank you for that. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Quick call this side of 11. Michael, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. You wanted to pick up on some calls regarding uh, lack of Garda. Gardy. Yeah, it's like I agree with all of the callers anyway. You know, that, that the city has become kind of unsafe. And stuff, and, and, and really, it is a resource issue for the Gardaí. There needs to be, as, as the Garda said, um, you know, more Gardaí on the beat, really, is, is part of the solution. But the one thing struck me... And, and I said if, they, aren't, if they weren't answering phones, there would be 50 extra members on the streets. That, that's right, but, but, but what the amazing thing about it is that, if you remember back to the time of the water charge protests, there was no problem at all finding a couple of dozen Garda... Uh, to man a, a kind of an elite unit 
to watch the activities of anti-water charge protesters and police anti-water charge uh, marches and all that. There were big that. numbers at those uh, protests. There were big numbers. There was 20 odd guards assigned to it or something in Cork City, you know, so uh, just to crack down people who were protesting against water charges. Now, so, no, do, uh, do bear in mind that no acting serving member of the Garda Shikana at those uh, protests or indeed following Varadkar yeah. around McCroom yeah. were there yeah. voluntarily. They're assigned that duty. Well, they're assigned, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a management thing, but, but, but the thing about it is that there doesn't, there's never a problem finding guards if the guards are to be found to crack down on somebody standing up for their kind of civil rights or for, or, or for things like uh, protests against water charges or something like that. So, like, if they could use the same imagination, if the management of the Gardaí could we use the same... We should be very thankful to those water protesters. Much as the criticism yeah. that they received at the time, um, yeah, they yeah. made an incredible difference. Were you amongst them? Almost absolutely, yeah, of course. I mean, like, I mean the, the, the thing was wrong. Like, I mean, I was being set up to privatise water, like, which uh, they got they put the cap before the horse. Like, you know, if they, uh, if they allowed a referendum, I think at the time, for people to make sure that water could never be privatised, some form of charges could probably be brought in that they got support. No, I, I know that. I'm not revisiting it. I'm just saying, fair play, to those, fair play to those that stood up, is what I'm saying. 100%, yeah, 100%. That people have to do more of it. Like, you know, like, like, the government uh, should be afraid of the people, not the people afraid of the government. But, 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 you know, I, but I don't think anybody at the process were actually afraid of the guards. Nobody was manhandled. They were just observed. Well, no, nobody was manhandled. Even though there were a few sort of, uh, you know, where, where guys were protesting against uh, where, where, where meters were being installed. And these are that. There was a, a few kind of hairy moments. There, but yeah. nothing, nothing major. But, but to put my point is, yes... Guards have a resource issue, no doubt about that. That serving guard that texted in is fully correct. We need more guards on the streets to, to make the city safer, to win back our city and that. But they should apply the same sort of imagination. Guard and management need to apply the same sort of imagination in resourcing that they did when they found out in nowhere lots and lots of guard resources to police those protests. You know? Good points. Well made. Okay. Um, do, uh, do you think that this water issue will ever come back again? Uh, under another under another name, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's that, that's very hard to predict. It 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 might do under excessive water usage or something like that. But you know, like people, the, the beauty of it, and we we can thank the protesters again. People realise that if you're passionate enough about an issue, and if you're willing to get off your you know off your sofa and go out and march and go out and protest, that it does make a difference. You know, yeah, people yeah, yeah. poor does exist. I know it's hard to exercise sometimes, and but why, it does exist. So why isn't there the same appetite to take back our streets, take back our city? You know, make yeah, it safe it for everybody. Maybe it should. Maybe it should. You know, it is a, but it's such a complex issue. It's hard. If, if there was a simple solution, it would have been found probably already, and there is no simple solution. We have to, like, as callers again, and, and, and we're very good callers this morning, it's a kind of a mixture of, you know, homelessness, addiction, uh, and all of that sort of stuff and, 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 and regulation and all that. there's not one single cause there's multiple causes so it's very hard to kind of have a campaign that's campaigning to address multiple causes really but yeah, is it, it, does, it, does it not all hedge back to our relationship with alcohol though time after does time it, a lot of the people I talk to yeah, there's a bit of that, but, but, but there's more substances than alcohol yeah, but, the, but, but sometimes the cart before the horse is the alcohol you know yeah, it could it could very well be, but I mean, I was in town on Saturday with my wife, and 
you know, she'd be far more observant of people around than, than I would. I just they, they'd go from face to face, but she she's a great people watcher, and she observed enough other people that were they weren't drunk, but they were out of their heads and some substance or other. During know? the day, is it? During the day, yeah, yeah. in the middle of the ah, day, yeah. Yeah, there sure was the afternoon, afternoon, and it was like it was quite obvious that they were they were after ingesting some form of substance. Whatever it was, uh, you, you wouldn't know, but uh, they were clearly altered, you know, yeah. they weren't in their right mind walking on this. And that's the afternoon, that's the Saturday afternoon in the Sun City. And not, not isolated instances either, lots and lots of people, which is, is a problem. And, and, and as I say, it wasn't alcohol, it was that default there, it was other, other substances. You know, maybe heroin or speed or whatever. I wouldn't be all fair. Uh, there's an array of tablets before you ever get yeah. to your cocaine or your yeah, heroin. Yeah, nice yeah, one. Okay, yeah. thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show um, Lines are open You can text 0868 104 106 Pick up the phone on 0818 104 106 My daughter worked in Soho Bar and Restaurant And really loved her job Unfortunately we had to get her to give it up Because when we had to collect her after she finished Myself and my wife felt we were taking our life in our hands with the amount of violence we had to witness on the streets of our city. She would have to wait on the Grand Parade for us to collect her. All the girls in Soho would stand together in fairness because they felt safety in numbers. Because I also work nights, my wife would have to drive in to collect her, sometimes at two or three in the morning. Not a guard to be seen and just aggression everywhere. I have witnessed fighting, People trying to get into my car. People standing in front of my car. Zero respect. But most importantly, no guards. And no way would I feel my daughter would be safe. This has a huge knock-on to the hospitality section. People, and especially young, decent people, are afraid to work in the city at night and to try and make it home safely. My daughter wanted to stay working. She loved the people she worked with and the people she met. But she really felt, and so did we, that it just wasn't safe for any of us when she finished and running the gauntlet of getting home out of that city without getting abuse or assaulted made the whole thing so very sad. Kind regards, says Stuart, by email to neil at redfm.ie. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Just one or two more. So, people are excusing the disgusting behaviour on young fellas being bored. I totally agree with you. Bored. Bored young fellas are driven to harass and to be antisocial because they're bored. It's very tough on them. Being bored has forced them into harassment. It's totally understandable and reasonable for the bored young fellas to act this way. Antisocial behaviour, I can tell you, is preventing my two sons from leaving the house. My 24-year-old has Asperger's. They shout at him every day. Aspire are aware and link in with him from time to time. But I dread finding finding him after taking his own life because of this non-stop harassment. My 11-year-old son, who loved going out on his bike, is now also afraid to do so. As you say, because of bored young fellas. And it's boredom that are driving them to harass and be antisocial and prevent your sons feeling safe leaving their home. I can understand your anger and your sadness. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Thanks, Emma. Just hold on. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And Anna O'Connor correctly reminds me that the leaving certificate starts tomorrow. So we will get leaving certificate weather from tomorrow, no matter what they say with regards to Met forecasts. You know the way it is. As soon as people start the leaving cert, we get a heat wave and sunshine day after day after day. So hopefully that will happen from tomorrow and she'll be proved right. Good luck to anybody. It's either sitting the leaving search or with a son or a daughter doing it. Best of luck from tomorrow. Meanwhile, um, we need to just be so aware of the state of the country at the moment. And I'm, I'm just moving away from the state of the city or, you know, the carry on that's just become so regular and almost seen as the norm. But when you think of the things that you can't do in this country now, now, it's a perfect storm. I understand that because we have the war in, in Ukraine with the Russians doing what they're doing. And of course, I understand everything to do with fuel prices and transport and logistics and lack of containers and not being able to ship things. And, you know, I understand that the cost of houses are going up. I think there's a lot of greed involved in it and the market will dictate and it'll continue to get dearer as long as people continue to pay the prices. But I do understand that building costs, I understand all of that. But no matter what way you look at it, uh, I was just thinking about the things that you can't actually do in this country. You can't rent a house. You can't afford to buy a house. You can't get seen in A&E. You can't get a hospital appointment. There's a million people. More on that in a moment. It's like a million people can't get a hospital appointment. You can't get a passport. You can't get a flight. You can't get guaranteed that you'll get back into the country if you do get a flight. You can't afford to book a hotel. I don't know what that was all about. You know, uh, we're all in this together for a year, year and a half. We'll all staycation at home and support the hotel industry and, you know, have our holidays at home. And then they turn around and give us the two fingers with the with the obscene rates they're charging for hotels. So you can't afford to book a hotel. You can't afford to rent a car. I mean, just forget about it. Like, it's uh, it's insane. It's seven, eight, hundred, nine, a thousand, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. It's in seventeen hundred rent a car. You can't rent a car. You can't get a family doctor to take your family on their books. You just can't. You can't get a crash place for your child. You can't get a school place. You can't get a school bus place for your child. Not to mention, I mentioned already that you can't afford to put petrol or diesel in your car. You can't afford to pay your lighting or your heating bills. You can't afford to do the full traditional shop that you used to do. And they're just some of the can'ts And they're just my own ones. I'm quite sure that you can, listening to me, come up with the ones that I've missed. Maybe there's ones that are quite evident to you that I've forgotten about. But they're just some of the cans. One of them, though, has to do with, uh, you know, uh, you can't get a hospital appointment. You know, never mind the fact that you can't get seen in A&E. And we have the new phenomenon now that's getting worse and worse. The people are just walking out of A&E. They'll be there 18 hours, 20 hours, and they're just walking out. We saw that from Pat Phelan's tweet last week. He's talking about his uh, daughter-in-law. She can't get a hospital appointment. I want to talk to Emma Sullivan. Emma, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you for getting in touch with me. Um, and you are going public. This is quoting you yeah. um, with your story to where, raise awareness um, of how difficult it is to get the right treatment in Ireland. And that lack of treatment for you, you're saying, um, could in fact cost you your life. Is that an accurate portrayal of where you find yourself now? Yeah, um, I suppose I've made the very hard decision to go public with my story because, um, I mean, I've been going through the public mental health system for a good 10 years of my life now. You know, I started off in CAMS and um, 
I've I've kind of just been at a point of going to appointments and appointments and very much keeping my head above water. Mm. But recently, um, severely struggling with OCD and the the care I'm getting is just you know at a very basic level of um, you know medication each week. We'll try a different medication and then a very basic um, talk therapy. So. Um, I guess I've I've looked. But at none my of life this so is far. inpatient yeah. care. This is appointment care. No, yeah, it's, Be- it's appointment care. Yeah. yeah. So at the age of fifteen, was that yeah. the age yeah. when you and your family noticed that you were developing an eating disorder? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. At around fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you yeah. pick up on it, or did your parents pick up on it? Um, I think my parents picked up on it first. Um, I I got so sick to a point where I really didn't believe. I was sick, which I know a lot of people going through eating disorders feel the same way, um, but it deteriorated to to such a level that I did need um, inpatient care at, at a teenage years, yeah. And that would have been when you would have been under the child and adolescent mental services. That would have changed yeah. at 18, but for a few years, yeah, yeah. were you getting the yeah. care and attention that you needed? Um, I, I was struggling a lot with, with CAMS. Um, but I, I did get the inpatient care that I needed, um, which which did save, it literally saved my life physically at that point from anorexia. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you were saying, and I read in, in, I think it was a recent Examiner article that you said that you had lost, are you comfortable with me going here, incidentally? Yeah, sure. That yeah. You had lost so much weight that you couldn't walk for three months. You had to be lifted up and down the stairs. Is Is that right? Uh, yeah, I had deteriorated to such a such a stage that when I got into hospital, I suppose that I they could not really believe. I suppose you know my spine was was quite bruised. I I had to sit with pillows behind my back. I, I was I was quite sick. Um, you were and skin and I bone, Emma, weren't you? I I was, and I fought my way through that and tried to cope as best as I could. For the last couple of years, I've been trying to keep my mental health, you know, um, at a certain level, keeping down a job. But recently I've been struggling with really, really severe um, OCD. OCD to a point where I'm not, I'm not coping at home at all. Um, and it's affecting every, every single aspect of my life. And that's why I suppose I've decided to go public. I've started um, a GoFundMe because... I, I'm 25, you know, I, I want my life back. I want a free life. I want to be able to do things that 25-year-olds do, but I'm, I'm just stuck at home at the moment. Um, You've I had a harrowing like, so. 10 years, haven't you? It's been, uh, it, it's just been, to think back, uh, really, really distressing. And yeah. has the OCD yeah. been walking hand in hand with the anorexia for those 10 years? It has. It has partially. It's the OCD has been getting really severe in the last couple of years. Um, it's recently gotten to a point where I've been, you know, I've been quite literally um, at certain appointments crying with with um, with my mom, begging people for help. Um, and all I can get is to go home and try another medication. Mm. Um, and you know. I, I really thought that okay, I'm I'm just giving up this fight now. It, it's been too much, but I 
I've read some stories of other people and I think I need to fight for myself a little bit more and I want to fight for other people as well. Um, it really hit me. I was listening to the news just before this um, in the travelling community when it said that there's a lot of suicides because the services is just one size fits all and it's really it's really harrowing to hear that because that is the case. It's one size fits all and we're all individuals, you know, and I think we all deserve individual care and, and support and when someone is struggling so deeply at home to the point where I literally am just having medications to keep me through the day, um, I don't think it's I don't think it's right. Something needs to change. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you talk okay. And the medication could be what? Because I, I would, I would have thought maybe that you know much yeah. of this would be psychological. That it couldn't be dealt yeah. with with medication. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so basically, it's um, a, a very, it's a, a basic layer. A, a, sorry, a basic level of um, psychological support. And I suppose that is fine when you're dealing with maybe like just, you know, some anxiety or some, some depression. Um, but when it gets to a level of, of the distress that I'm going through day to day, it's, it's just not, it's not sufficient yes. just to be going once a week and, you need inpatient, you need inpatient treatment. You, you, do. you need yeah. inpatient treatment and, and not at the level of just, you know, uh, just a, a CUH level where you're just kind of in a room being watched. You know, I, I want to get proper treatment and I want my life back, you know. And just talking of that life, do you mind me asking, how yeah. does the OCD manifest? How does it present? Sure. So um, basically for me, it's it's morphed into a lot of different things and affected my day-to-day life. Like, for example... Um, I'm struggling to to go out in in public. Um, I'm struggling to eat at at home because I'm afraid of you know the the utensils and contamination. Um, I'm I'm terrified of being sick, so constantly thinking I'm going to get sick or be sick, trying to prevent myself from getting any sort of sickness. So a lot of cleaning um, to the points where I have used you know you know, like Dettol on my hands, um, cleaning oh. sprays on me oh. um, and being telling people this and, and just, again, being given the same one-size-fits-all you, you, you believe you know? that everything around you is contaminated, do you? I, I, I do. It, it's, a, it's a terrifying yeah. way to be living. And regardless really, of yeah. how much your family tell you otherwise, or exactly. that, that makes no family, sense to you. Yeah, because... I suppose my family are like they're amazing. They've supported me through so much, but they're not trained to to deal with any of this, you know. And they have jobs and they have a life, and I I don't have any of that. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, but how, how do you, I mean? You must be eating something, are you? Yeah. So basically, what I managed to do is I at home I eat kind of things from packets or else I'll go to one of maybe I have two or three places that I think are safe for me to go. So I'll go there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, basically that's how 
You, That's how I'm you, eating. Yeah. You, yeah, but that you you would not eat because you're afraid that what you'd be eating from would be contaminated. Yeah, and exactly. Then, and, it, yeah. and is there? Pardon me for asking, but do, do you check and recheck? I mean, do, have you have you got that compulsion where you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's been a lot of a lot a lot of like checking, um, you know, body checking, just. Yeah, basically a lot of checking, a lot of cleaning, a lot of just absolutely terrified. And and I think OCD is something a lot of people don't understand because, you know, you can tell someone logically, you know, this is safe, this is okay. But I, I'm at such a level where I, I'm in a, like survival protective mode, you know, where I, I, I can't risk anything, you know, um... Yeah. You really are trapped, aren't you, Emma? Uh, severely, yeah. yeah. Severely yeah. trapped. Yeah. yeah. And have, have you managed to put on weight or is, is the anorexia also still critical? Um, so I've been, I've been losing weight mainly because of the, the OCD. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been trying to maintain a weight. The eating disorder isn't the, the main thing. You know, I know how to... Yeah. kind of manage that at a certain level but the OCD is, is for sure affecting my eating yeah and you fear that you will die why why do you say something as devastating as that uh, yeah I've been I guess I've been through really really low moments of being to being to South Dock being to um, the mental health emergency department um, just really telling them how unsafe I feel. Um, you know, now the said the doctors in South Dock are great, um, but telling these people how how unsafe I feel, how how low, and it has gotten to points where I I d- didn't think I could continue, and just the amount of mental distress. Um, it's hard to wake up like that every day, you know. So you believe? So you are a risk to yourself. Um, I think if I if I don't if I don't get the help I need, I I don't know how I'm going to continue on like this. Basically, yeah. Um, and you know the conversations that you do have whenever they happen with the professionals. What what kind yeah. of talk to me through what 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 kind of counselling do you get? What do they say? Uh, so basically, uh, it's a mixture of different things, I suppose. It's uh, for me, for an example, what I can give you is, um, okay, so let's say I'm afraid of, of getting on a bus. Um, I'll be told to just, just get on the bus. Um, and for me, that's like, if you're telling someone with a, a broken leg, okay, just walk. You have a broken leg, but just walk, you know? Um, doesn't sound so like it, the it, most professional advice to me. I'm just from what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's a lot of a lot of that kind of advice where I leave an appointment feeling a lot worse because I'm thinking, why can't I just do this? When am when am I going to feel better? And I'm I'm constantly, you know, I'm putting in work. I'm pushing myself every every day to try and try and do things that I'm uncomfortable with because I know that that's the way that I'm going to get better. But I've gotten to a point where I need more more help, more care. And does that need is that a place in St. Patrick's Hospital, is it? Uh yes, yeah. 
do they have specific programs, inpatient programs, and how long would you think you would need they to do. be there? Uh, they do, yeah. Um, uh, well, I would say it's about it's about a two month a two month program. And has um, um, has your has yeah. your GP or anybody within the health sector that's dealing with now referred you there? I mean, did you yeah. were you ever offered a place? So yeah, both. Um, I've been referred about three times, and I have been offered a place. Um, but because my my uh, situation is pre-existing, my VHI doesn't oh. cover it. But ho- hold so, on a second. That that yeah. if you were to go and were offered yeah. a place on a specific yeah. treatment program, you would have to pay for it. Uh, yes, because my my VHI is determining that my my condition is, is pre-existing. why would you have as a citizen of the state why would you have to pay for it at all I mean so, we yeah, don't pick and choose operations and work on a person's body exactly. on the basis of price exactly so basically this is what we've been we've been trying to figure out and go through um, and what it is is basically 10% of patients um, going there can get funded by the HSE um, I've inquired about this, but I've been told straight out that I wouldn't be funded. Um, it, it rarely, rarely happens to people. It happens to people maybe with eating disorders because there is not many eating disorder um, supports in, in Cork. But that, that 10% of funding, I've been talking to people going through similar situations and it is it would be like a miracle if you got that basically. That only 10% is set aside, publicly yeah. funded. Yes, yeah. And then, therefore, that's all gone and you think you'll never get that. So you're in the 90% yeah. who have yeah. to um, pay for it. And uh, yeah. in, in that yeah, scenario exactly. then, you, there's probably yeah. family VHI in your, in, your, in your loving family. But they yeah. say because it's a pre-existing condition that they won't yeah. cover you for the care, is it? Yeah, basically. Am I understanding um, that? That's yeah, yeah, you're correct. So it's because it's so for a 25 year old Cork girl yeah. who wants yeah. to get uh, on a program to save her life. Yes, yes. Uh, she has to you, find you the money herself. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I suppose it's it's that's shocking. pre-existing, um, and it's funny because it's not funny. It's it's just shocking to me because. You know, mental health isn't, you don't wake up with mental health. Any sort of mental health issue is obviously going to be pre-existing, you know. I couldn't, I don't understand how VHI could say pre-existing. Pre-existing from when? Uh, Basically, they have these dates. And if there's any notes in your medical files that pre-exist those dates saying um, anything got to do with anxiety, OCD, they they won't cover um, because they deem it pre-existing. Yeah. But you're probably on your family VHI from birth, are you? Um, I'm only on VHI the last, only about a year and a half. Ah, I see. Yeah. So they're saying, yeah. sorry, yeah. your OCD, yeah. your anorexia is 10 years yeah. old. The policy is only a year and a half old, pre-existing. Yeah. We don't yeah. cover it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. But even if you park that, I... I yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, why have we created a society of things that we can't get anymore? All of the things that I've listed, and you're amongst the, you cannot yeah. get. You just cannot. You, you can't get. And I've been, I've had people reach out to me, and I've reached out to people 
you know, going through the, the same thing or have been going through the same thing. And and I guess that's why I've decided to, to go public and to... So for I you to get the care that you've given yeah. up... Sorry, well, I don't mean to interrupt him. No, ahead. you're fine. I, I had given up fighting for myself because I had been at so many appointments. But I think this is the the last step for me to just push for myself and for my life and what I think I, I need and I... But your life has been so devoid yeah. of so many things, from a 15-year-old to a 25-year-old. All of those markers missed, all of the fun, yeah. all of the social yeah. interaction. Um, yeah. Do you, do you hang out with friends or anything like that? Um, I, I have, because I find it hard to get places, like I find it hard to get in a, in a taxi or a bus or I don't have any transport. Um, it's hard for me to get anywhere, so... Friends, I see sometimes, but mainly it's over the phone. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a pretty isolating and uh, a, a desperate situation, I suppose. Yeah. So your conversations with friends or acquaintances is just by phone or Zoom or uh, yeah, FaceTime. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I, do you, you mi- know, and what I, do you miss of that aspect of your life? Uh, I mean, I miss everything that I. Everything that I love has been taken away by by what I'm going through. Like I loved, I was a huge swimmer, and I can't get into a pool now. Um, you know, just go like my independence. I I was I was at a point where I could go somewhere by myself or go down to a. I used to like to meditate, so I'd go down to a meditation center and. I can't do any of those things. Then. How um, did you get through the leaving yeah. cert, in fairness to you? Which you did. Yeah, I, I got through, I didn't do the junior cert. I got through the leaving cert with um, really good support from my school, uh, Regina Mundy. Um, they were, they're really good. So, I mean, I didn't do very well. I I, I just passed it, but it was a, you did a big it. thing for me. You did it. I did it, yeah. yeah. You yeah. did it. I did. In spite of all of the challenges in your life which I can't even begin yeah. to imagine the impact it's had. Eating yeah. disorder like anorexia that grabs you by the throat and doesn't let go, compounded yeah. by OCD. One impacts on the other, of course. The OCD inhibits your ability to to exactly. eat because everything is contaminated. And and, and did you... Uh, what about the Mercy, the, the psychiatric unit at the Mercy or, or, the, or the CUH? Uh, yeah. And there's, there's, a, there's a ward that's in Finbars. None of that, no? Um, yeah, so basically... Um those kind of places, they wouldn't be really based on the treatment I would need, you know. Uh, they're not again, based on recovery as such. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's not based, it's not recovery based. It's more, okay, let's let's get you in here to, to just kind of watch you, keep you safe. Um, and it's not recovery based where I really I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I need recovery, you know. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, are both of those conditions gradually getting worse as opposed to better? I mean, are you continuing uh, to oh, lose yeah. weight? I mean, you must have an awful lot of medical problems if you're not taking in enough calories to survive. Yeah, I do. And it is going into physical problems as well. Um, you know, my my hair, I've noticed, has been, been coming out. Um, I've been going through physical stomach problems. Just, uh, just... I, I can't even name the amount of stuff that it's affecting, really, in, in my life. Yeah. 
And, and if you have to fund this for yourself, so you're literally funding yeah. now to save yeah. your own life. Yeah, yeah. From a it's health really system it. that won't help. It's gotten to that point, yeah. I mean, their their view is that they have, they have done everything to help, but... You know, I've been I've been going to the appointments. I've been going to everything, and I'm I'm getting worse. You know, um, so I, I need to stand up for myself, and I need to I need to try and get, get this done for for myself for my own life. Yeah. And is how much would it cost you to get the treatment you need to save your own life? Yeah. Well, the because you clearly the, don't want to die. No, no, I want, I want a life free of this, you know. I want to independence and happiness and, yeah, yeah. And is there a figure in mind that they said, yeah, this so is what you're going to have to raise yourself? Yes, so the, the, optimal, the optimal number is, is 60,000. Um, so you're basically raising, trying to. Uh, raise that amount, yeah. Isn't it a shocking state of affairs that we find ourselves in, girl, 10 it, years it, on? It's, it's just been such a heavy thing to have to go public and to have to do this and a lot of, you know, hard conversations with family members and pros and cons and... Um, Notwithstanding the fact that you must feel awful yeah. because it's not your fault, but there's an awful lot of worry for the rest of the family to watch you, yeah? I, and that's the thing, I, I you know, I, I want them to be able to continue with their lives without worry. And, and you know, it, it's not just stopping me, it's stopping everyone around me, um, which is is really hard to, to watch as well. But you, you believe that you would need to go into St. Patrick's for that period of time to access the actual care that will make life changing differences yeah. yeah you've that that you've tried everything else you 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 you've, I have. you've done you've done all of the the cam system have you done private yes. counseling or has, has that been an expensive yeah. option yeah. for you yeah i've i've tried um i've tried a lot of different counseling i suppose but you need yeah what you need is a yeah. setting that's very disciplined very set up exactly. for for a lengthy yeah, period so of time can, with a start a middle and a finish Exactly. So I can I can break the cycle of what I'm going through, and I can I can literally just just get out of this this torment, you know. Torment. That's the word, isn't it? Yeah. Torment. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is is one story of perhaps many others um, in in, o- so. in all sorts of walks of life who just can't access the services that we think as a state we should be providing for our people. I, I, I think so, and um, there's been, you know, there's been a lot of people. Uh, I put up my story on on Instagram and through other social networks, and reaching out to me, telling me their story. And, and can you, yeah, can you find others like you? Uh, definitely, there. I think there's a lot of other people out there struggling through the system. You know, not not finding the help that they need. Because again, as as that woman from the the traveling community said really well, um, that it it is a one size fits all system where we're all so different, you know. Yeah, I'm getting the impression for you that people get medicated quite quickly, uh, and that's just uh, a sticking plaster, quickly. isn't it? it? It's 
it's it was the thing that I, I wanted to avoid medication, but going through this, you know, obviously having to take medication and it is, it's a plaster that goes I over it. I have, um, I've had, you know, experiences just lying on the couch, crying from the nausea, but still feeling the extreme anxiety just because the medication has been either too much, it's not suited me, and then, you know, you go through the whole cycle of having to start another medication, and that's another week of your life, you know. No, but I can't um, get it. I can't get out of yeah. my head the fact that the OCD prevents you from touching anything because of contamination. Yeah. But yet, I'm quite sure at certain stages in your day, you must also be. Yeah. Do you, Do you still fight hunger, or do you say, "I'm hungry, I want to eat"? Uh, so it, it's both. Um, I I do a lot of the time if I'm at home on my own. It's a lot of I'm I'm really hungry, but I I just I cannot I can't eat. You know, I have nothing. Um, what do you I, mean by I that? Have, I have what you mean as in you don't eat because why? Because I'm afraid of 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 getting sick from whatever I prepare or what I'm using to prepare food with. Um, do you do you still also yeah. believe in your in your own mind that okay, this is the contamination issue for sure? But do you also believe yeah, that I, yeah. I cannot eat because I'm overweight? No, no, no. So it's it's definitely not about the weight. Um, it's kind of morphed into more of this yes. being afraid, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a couple of places where... Was there a time I, when you wouldn't eat because it was weight related? Uh, there was, yes. Well, isn't there that was, a good yeah. thing that it's no longer that? Yeah, no, that's... I've I've... I've come through that and I've... Isn't that um, fantastic? And you, you've done all of that yeah. part of it. So with the right yeah. help, you could knock yeah. the other one out of the ballpark as well. Like, you, like you've hand, yeah. you're, you're dealing with and addressing that the NRX is not about body image anymore, that you see yourself differently to how the rest of us see you. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I, I've put a lot of work and effort into yeah. that. And um, I, I would like to thank everyone uh, at... Aislinn, who was there at the time, the hospital who helped literally save my life. Um, and, you know, just getting across that, I suppose, the waiting time of this whole process of applying, you know, for inpatient treatment, like, each day, it's like a... You it's don't like have the time. People, time. A lot of people bomb, just you know? don't have that time to wait. Literally, and, and I yeah, can't see yeah. the sense in somebody being weighed and being told... Yeah you're losing weight you need to eat more like if that was the case exactly. you wouldn't be there exactly and there's you know there's so much um i i've come out of a lot of different appointments just absolutely in tears not knowing how or why why what was said to me was was said to me you know i Pointless. i try and make myself feel better sometimes you know by putting on a bit of makeup and I'll be going into an appointment and they say, oh, you know, you have a bit of makeup on. This is great. So to them, that means you're getting better. You know, when I'm sitting there in absolute, just, again, I know, I'm but I suppose, you know, I know, you know, maybe they're just trying to say something positive, you know, like yeah. we all try and say positive things, maybe to, to give you that little bit more confidence. It's, I don't know, you know, I mean, yeah, um, yeah. you know, you, you know, everybody knows your story now. You've shared it. Was that something that you agonized over or your or family did? Oh, yeah. Perhaps, you know, you're Definitely. giving up your privacy? For sure. It's something that we've been talking about and 
weighing up the options and I suppose I I can't go through the cycle of these non-stop uh, appointments with no end I suppose anymore and you know going through this whole system of trying to trying to get inpatient treatment and being stopped this has been the, the only way I know yeah. I know I know and you're saying that 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 for you is not an indefinite solution you you just won't go on if this doesn't change yeah my life is just not it's not moving and it's I I need the help yeah there's so many things you should be doing, you know. And and so many things I want to do and I painfully want to do. What do you, you know? want to and do? I, like what? I want to travel, you know. I, I want to be able to, you know, for example, even going to use um, into anywhere to use a, a public bathroom. I can't do that or, you know, so those little things yeah. means I, I can't go to an airport. I can't get on a plane. I can't. But I so desperately want to do these things. And have that life that that I that I want, you know, mm, mm, that you deserve, yeah. that you're entitled to, that yeah, that most of us take for granted. You see, and and that's the thing. I see so many people my age around, you know, just yeah, on Instagram and traveling and doing these things, and it's so hard to see because that's that's. I just want that freedom, you I know, know. I know. Yeah, and yet this country is telling you you can have it, but you're going to have to pay for it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I despair. Thing. I really, I, I just despair how we, how it got so bad and nobody yeah. was paying attention, you know? No. I've, and I've, you know, begged for, begged at the points when it's gotten so low for, for help and just being sent home with another medication, which is, um, which I think, which is what is going on yeah, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, imagine if you've got a million people, uh, waiting on yeah. a, a hospital appointment, and you know, over a hundred thousand yeah. of them are on children. Are, are children? Yeah. A lot of them are being probably um, medicated along the way, and Definitely. just kept on prescriptions and tablets and everything. And, and of course, Definitely. you know, then yet yet you go to Spain or you go to Italy. Or I was talking about the Spanish health system this morning and the Australian yeah. health system. Uh, they've just got it so right, you know. Yeah, and it's it's. I, I don't think until you're really, you know, I'm I'm kind of even just giving five percent of of the intensity of what what is going on. But until you've been through the whole system, you you would be shocked and you oh, wouldn't I, really I, believe. I, I understand, you know? and I don't I don't mean to overly pry into your own no not day at to day all, living because all. I don't want to be upsetting you. I think we get a we get an idea how really upsetting it is to be dealing with this for you, and I, and I can't yeah. help but think as a dad. You know, as a parent myself, yeah. that it's heartbreaking for your parents to have to watch. It is, you know, yeah, and, that's, and feel and that's an element I, of helplessness, I suppose. It, for sure, and just them, it's they're they're just holding me every day, you know, just holding me to, you know, tomorrow's going to be better. We're going to get the help. We're going to trying to give me that positivity. Um, but I I don't want to have to depend on them anymore. You know, I I want to be. I want to be in my 20s independent and I guess this is why I'm doing this for myself. And on that basis, you have set up a GoFundMe asking people to help you to achieve yes, yes. and to get your life back. To, to As yes. I say, without sounding tabloid or overly dramatic about it, that you will yes. die if you cannot get what you're looking for now. Yeah, I guess I'm, it's deteriorating. It has deteriorated so much that I, I can't continue like this. I know, yeah. I know. 
I know, I know. And the figure that um, has been put at uh, your life-saving tra- treatment is €60,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then if you fa- yeah. if you have that sixty thousand euro, the doors of St Patrick's Hospital will open to you. Um, yeah, so I basically I had a place until the VHI, you know, had stopped it. Um, so I will have to make another re- referral well, again. You know, here you go again. Money, you still have yeah. you still have the energy wherever you get it from, and you know, yeah, the the courage to keep going, to keep trying. That's the thing, and you know, I've I've got a little bit of that fight back in me the the last week or so, trying to advocate for myself. And any politician ever advocate? Yeah. You're from Ballinlock, so you're right in the same yeah. parish as the Taoiseach. Yeah. I've I've tried to get in contact um, with with not much uh, an email or two, but not not being able to really contact. Um, I've gotten a a TD, um, Christopher O'Sullivan, has really kindly reached out, um, giving his support. Um, but other than that, um, no, yeah, I have tried to reach out to the Taoiseach, but it's not really been any. I mean, did anybody come back yeah. to you? Have you managed to get to a clinic to meet him? Any, anything? Is he aware um, of so your situation? There's a Ballancolic girl, a Ballinlock girl in his parish was literally dying in yeah. front of our eyes. Yeah, I've given, um, I've had a few emails back and forth with the secretary. Um, you know, them asking for copies of referral forms okay. and, and things like that. But okay. um, I, I don't know that he knows anything of it. You, do you get tired very easily? Exhausted, yeah. Okay. Literally, absolutely. Okay. Like, absolutely exhausted just from the day, you know. I don't want to tire you out anymore. Uh, I think you're a very brave young Cork girl for sharing your story. You're also very brave Thank to you. be struggling on as best you can and not giving up and, you know. Um, Thank you. And yeah. I really appreciate you having is, me on to um, to share my story. And the, only, the only thing I can do at this point is to, is to, absolutely, is, is, to, is to share your GoFundMe, which is support Emma's recovery and help break the stigma, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Thank you so much. So on, yeah. Do you mind if I stay in touch with her? You, you perhaps stay in touch with me. Do stay in touch, will yeah. you, Emma? Definitely, I will. Yeah, that would be great. That'd okay, be great. okay, okay. And we'll see what the coming days. I'm, I'm also going to put a call yeah. into Michal Martin. He's, he's your, he's the teacher of so the much. country. He's your TD in your parish. Okay. Yeah, I live just down the road, basically. I understand. Okay. I understand. Okay. Yeah. So on GoFundMe, people are moved yeah. enough to want to be able to help in any way, shape, or form. It's support yeah. Emma's recovery and help break yeah. the stigma. Okay, Emma, thanks to, so much yeah. for taking the call. Thank you so much. Okay, look after Have yourself for now. We'll chat again soon. Take care. Definitely, thank you. 25-year-old Emma O'Sullivan from Ballinlock. Your thoughts on that are welcome. This is the country we live in. Text 0868 if you have a story to share. You can always email if you wish to get in touch with me and share anything in your life. Neil at... Uh, fm.ie um, just very quickly before I love you and leave you and we'll pick up on this tomorrow Jackie good morning hi Neil how are you I'm good um, I don't think you're in a position to talk to me tomorrow are you um, I possibly could if someone could to give me a text beforehand um, I'll let you be able to let you know okay I, okay so I hope to chat with you tomorrow when I have a little bit more time but your heart's broken listening to Emma why uh the, the mental health system in this country is so broken 
Um, I've been battling myself for years to try and get help for my daughter. Um, not quite the same circumstances as Emma's, but mental health, you know, along the same lines. But have um, you ever been in a situation where you've been told you can get it if you can pay for it? Oh, yes. Money always comes into it. Um, you know, at this stage in this country, regardless of whether it's your physical health or mental health, if you can pay for it, you can, you can get the treatment you need. Um, but unfortunately, not all of us are in a position to be able to pay for it. I mean, as Emma said, 60,000 euro is a substantial amount of money. And unfortunately, once you go into the private route of um, any medical treatment in this country, you have to continue on in a private route. You can't uh, then revert yeah. to medical you, card. You, you could be selling the furniture and selling the, the house from under to be following that. Exactly, selling kidneys and, and all sorts. Um, but yet, we've, ri- yet we've arrived as a country to this impasse where a 25-year-old Cork girl has to go on to GoFundMe to struggle with an eating disorder and OCD that is killing her. <laughs> Absolutely, it's, it's, it's shameful. It but, is they can shameful. Find, but they can find two million then to send Tony Houlihan to Trinity. Oh, don't even get me started. I mean, don't even get me started. Please don't even get me but, started. I, I just... Yeah, but how can they push a value on someone's life? You know, how can they put a value on a 25-year-old young lady's life? You know, is, is that all her life is worth? 60,000 euro. You know, just I hope that she finds the strength to keep fighting and to keep going. But unfortunately, so many young people don't have that strength to keep going and their lives, they just take their lives and, and it's over because they're not getting the help. Yes, um, because we may, we may get vague, we may get vague suicide numbers, but we never get the stories behind the deaths. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Never and do. Unfortunately, in, in this country, it's only getting worse. You know, people are really, really struggling financially with their mental health. You know, they're struggling in so many different ways that unfortunately, I think the suicide numbers are only going to keep climbing. And that is, and, of course, as a mother, that worries you, you anguish over that oh, because of your daughter and what is going to happen next. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I have begged, pleaded, I've, I've literally been on my knees crying for help for her and to just be dismissed, you know, that they don't want to know. Okay. She doesn't fit into certain boxes. She doesn't tick certain boxes. You know, it's, it's so wrong. It is so, so wrong. And there's people's lives behind this. You know, they're not statistics. They're not just numbers. They're people. And I'd just like to say to, to Emma, um, I'm very happy for if you would like to give out my, give my number on to her. Because um, sometimes just talking to someone who can understand how you're feeling, having been down that road myself before years ago, um, sometimes to just talk to someone who can understand and can, can relate to how you're feeling. I know. Can't fix the problem, but sometimes it just helps. Um, so I'd be more than happy to, happy to have a to chat with her anytime. Okay. okay. I'll do that, Jackie. Do stay listening. We may have a conversation in the future. I'm here to listen if you want to call back, okay? Perfect. Thank you, Neil. Take care. Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. You can pick up the phone. Our lines will stay open as well on 0818104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.